Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart sidekick, who is always at my side, Ho Sway. Hey, hey, hi, hi. New books this week, and good good shit. Good shit this week. Yeah, I, I'm, we get to the return of Aftershock, which is great, because <laughs> they've been gone a while. Um, some of the most quality DC books coming out. And uh, yeah, lots of Marvel, as always. <laughs> so we're going to, of course, get into that. But first, we talk about the news. Um, let's start with the only bit of DC news I have, which is really great. Uh, we have confirmation that the Sandman will be returning for season two on Netflix. Yes, good. Thank fuck. We both got fooled by a, f- <laughs> a fake article saying it got canceled. And then Case set us straight. And I'm like, thanks, Case. So, um, but yeah, everybody's been confirming it. Neil Gaiman, uh, uh, freaking Jenna Coleman, who plays Joanna Constantine. Everybody's talking about it. So great. It's so good. Did you end up watching it? It just needs to explore more. Um, n- not yet. I just, I just, I'm so bad at TV. I just need to actually just not have stuff on my plate. Yeah. It's, it's very, very good. Like, I think you'll really love the, the showdown with Lucifer. Um, I think you'll, I, I think you'll really like the whole thing with the Corinthian at the end. Ooh, I think nice. it's really good. Even though that's the one, that's one thing I've heard people criticize. Mm-hmm. I think you'll like it. So, all right, some independent news. Let's talk about uh, Toho has yes. announced a new Godzilla film uh, set it for 2023, and it will be released in theaters. Literally, they, they, they teased us for a year from today, as we're recording, is where the announcement is at. Yep, exactly. And it will be the anniversary of the first film. So <sighs> Nice. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's not a sequel to Shin Godzilla. It's... Toho's next um, uh, entry into the Godzilla franchise, uh, but still very exciting. The, the symbol looks su- super sweet. Yeah, but the um, Takashi Yamazaki, who worked on Shin Godzilla, will direct. Ooh, okay. And yeah. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. Really cool. That's that's cool. I'm not the biggest Godzilla fan, um, but I did used to watch a bunch of them when I, when I had the independent film channel in my, te- in my room when I was a teenager. And they always play the old Godzillas at night, and I've I've watched all of them at least once. So. Oh yeah, they're just fun. Yeah, they're great. Uh, next up, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. So this is the new movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Which have you seen that trailer? I can't remember if you watched it. We did watch the Dungeons and Dragons trailer. Yes, it looks great. I think it looks yeah. like a lot of fun. Um, it is going to be started with a prequel comic from IDW. Uh, it's going to okay. be Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, The Feast of the Moon. And it'll be written by Jeremy Lambert and Ellen Boner with artists by Eduardo Ferragato and Guillermo Sana. Hmm. Um, so it'll be released about a month before the mo- movie actually launches. So, um, yeah, I think that's cool. I, you know, more movie par- or movie tie-in comics I like. Um, Black Adam was way more enjoyable having read the four issues introducing the Justice Society. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, it was it really especially with with um Cyclone and Adam Smasher, since they don't really have too much to do in the movie compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. It was nice knowing who they were. So, you know. <laughs> uh next up, as we know, Conan the Barbarian left Marvel Comics. 
and the rights have gone to uh, Titan of all publishers. Well, we now know who is going to be working on the new Conan book for Titan, and it's it's actually pretty great. Uh, the writer is going to be uh, someone we interviewed in the past and talked quite a bit about Conan, Jim Zub. Nice. Yeah, uh, he's he's great. He loves. He has a passion for those books. So that I remember talking a lot about Conan during that interview. And, yeah, no, he and really Dark wanted, and stuff. So yeah, he really wanted to touch the touch on that pro- property. Yeah, so he is going to be writing that, uh, and the artwork is going to be done by Roberto Della Torre, uh, who did uh, King Size Conan. He did Iron Man, Director of Shields. If you read that series, oh um, yeah. And the colorist is Jose Villa Villa Rubia. Um, there is some art already. If you want to check it out, here I'll send it over to you. It's a black and white sketch of his first like shot of it because it's not coming out until like July of next year. Nice. But if yeah, if you want to like, that's it's a classic. pretty cool shot. Yeah, that's some classic fantasy art. Like I dig that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Next up, uh, Remy Award nominee. Poppy <laughs> is going to be releasing a superhero graphic novel called Tit Tat. And it's going to be through Z2 Comics. And I think it looks pretty cool. Um, it's exactly what you'd imagine a Popeye, a Poppy comic to look like. I almost said Popeye. That's even better. <laughs> um, there's also an oversized platinum edition where Poppy signs it. And has like, a, has like a slipcase art prints, charm bracelet, and a personal letter written by Poppy. So I'm going to get that cotton version. <laughs> so, um, but it was really cool. It, it's it's geared towards teenage girls, it looks like. so, mm-hmm. Which is cool. I, I, I like Poppy quite a bit. Uh, so, And then my last bit of truly independent news, and the one I saved for last because I love Josue and I know how he is. <laughs> Titan Comics' has re- official trailer for Common Rider Zero One. Oh, which is slated to launch as a four-part series this November. Oh wow! Fuck yeah! Yes. Um. So yeah, it is uh, action action pack trailer. Blah blah blah. Uh, series come from Brandon Easton, art by Henry Presetia, colors by Brian Valenza, and letter by Jaime Martinez of Anworld. I just sent you the link if you want to save the the thing. But you also get if you scroll down, you can see a bunch of the covers they've revealed. Uh. So yeah. I this looks dope. Uh, I I I I'm tempted so to jump in on this, badass. and I'm not even a fan. So, Common so. Rider Zero One was well, they 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 kind of split them by like the the eras of like the mm-hmm. the reigning empire. Um, so I forget what it is right now. So, Common Rider Zero One is the first entry since like the the new person took over. Um, and so yes uh, so that's kind of what the, what the buzz is about this particular character this particular run it's just like almost like yeah the the fresh installment of like the third era in japan yeah and i mean cover a is an in Glee cover so yeah they all look super badass yeah. <laughs> I, was like, oh. yeah, I actually i love the in Glee one but i think the Derek chu one is actually my favorite the second one uh-huh yeah, that one's really cool. I dig that. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I might actually figure out what the fuck this is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then in our weekly news segment for Disney's Gargoyles, which is coming up every week this month, um, 
we have some exclusive Gargoyles news. Uh, first of all, there's a new cover that was revealed uh, that is based on the VHS. <gasps> oh my gosh. Right? That's the one I want. <laughs> <laughs> right? Plucked at my soul. I was like, it's even got the three ninety nine sticker. Be kind, rewind, everything like that. So that is so cute. Oh my god, I want that. <laughs> yeah, and along with that, they also unveiled another cover. Mm-hmm. This is an ultra rare incentive variant. This is the second Fuck. link I'm sending you, signed by the original creator of the characters. So I just sent that, and. <sighs> yeah it's it's i mean it's just goliath you know what i mean like but it's so cool you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like just to have that would be so cool how rare is it does it say one Uh, and what one in 250 to get the fuck out of here you have to be a cgc member and yeah you have to get the one in 250 no yeah Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you work for a comic book store, just saying. Exactly. There's too many issues of one thing. (laughs) Just be like, hey, no, it's going to be huge. We should order all the copies. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Now we're going to move on to some Marvel news. First of all, we do get a first look into our next crossover, Dark Web. Yes, um, including some artwork. So I'll shoot that over to you. Um, this is interior artwork, and it Ooh. does look like Madeline plus the evil Spider-Man. <laughs> the evil Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chasm. Right. Yeah, that's his name. Is Chasm now. Ben Riley. Yeah, but check out that second one with the picture of her with the scythe. Mm-hmm. That's fucking sick. Like, I really, really like that. I love the fact that they're both clones, you know, like, it's, yeah, but they're going to have it, a lot I'm just, in I'm, common. I'm curious. It's like, she's kind of, it's like, I'm still kind of like worried about it. I'm, I'm getting Damien vibes off of this. It's like, we just had that sweet run in new Avengers, like passing the torch from like from magic. And now it's like, she literally said she's going to, she's, she has a, a handle on it. And now she doesn't first thing. Yeah. That's yeah. We'll see. Um, also because of limbo, we don't know how much time passed because mm-hmm. time works differently. So maybe it's been yeah. years for her or something. So, uh, next thing is we got Miles Morales' new book starting up and we have a reveal of an Inhook Lee cover. I'll send Ooh. that over to you. And I love it because everything he does is wonderful. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So, yeah, got that. That's a quick, easy one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you noticed this around, oh, I don't know, Halloween. But <laughs> you know how everybody was fantasy casting Kiki Palmer's Rogue, right? Right. Did you see her? Oh yes, costume. Okay, oh yeah, just like, like just ringing the bells. Like, look at me, fuck yeah. And when she said the when she said "shug," it's like fuck yeah, dude. Like in the <laughs> video, it's like let's go, let's fucking go. So yeah, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Marvel unsheathed the first look at Blade's daughter's solo series, Ooh. Um, which it is just a cover. Uh, but I'll send it to you anyways. It looks pretty cool. I- I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be an interesting um, interesting nice. story. Of course, her name is Bloodline. Um, and then, like, the, the mask, the, the, the I mean, the van- vampire face being reflected in the sword over right. her own mouth. I think it's really cool. cool. Yeah, so. And then the two big newses. This one's interesting. Um, did you see the tease for 2023's Free Comic Book Day? No. Just sent it. 
this is a book that's teased for us. It's just called Earth's Mightiest Heroes, The Avengers, and then the X-Men next to it. And this very much looks like an uncanny Avengers lineup, doesn't it? It does. Is that, yes. Wait, is this supposed to be Captain Krakoa again? I think so, actually. What the fuck? Yeah, and then we got Monet. Fuck yeah. Like It is Uncanny Avengers. The only thing is, is it's very heavy on X-Men. On the mutant side, right. Yeah, it's just Quicksilver who's kind of a mutant in some people's eyes. And (laughs) Captain America. So, maybe coming out of the events of Judgment Day, the X-Men and the Avengers are going to be more friendly to each other. And out of of like the mutants that have been Avengers, like Captain America has got a lot of respect for Rogue, too. Yeah, exactly. So... Interesting. So, just thought Ooh, that out there. the Venom one, the the Spider Man oh, Venom yeah. one, have, having the, um, uh, not the leader. The fuck is his name? The Ultimate Reed Richards. The fuck is his name? Oh, um, Ultimate Reed Richards is what I'm yeah, trying to say. I know who you're thinking of, but we both know exactly <laughs> the maker, the fucking the maker, maker. Thank you. Um, yeah, he he's coming back. So thank God, because he actually went back home. He's been in the Ultimate Universe. So, oof, what's his play now? Yeah, he's one of the best villains they've created. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. So, it's great. And then the final thing is, this is really interesting. We have Star Wars The Acolyte coming up, mm-hmm. which is a live-action TV show set in the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah. And it looks like the newest cast member is going to be Daphne Keen, a.k.a. Ooh. Laura from Logan. That's cool. Yeah, which that's great, right? Like, I'm like, that alone makes me interested in watching the show Mm -hmm. because it like Marvel. I'll watch anything Marvel puts out. That's not, you know, a surprise. But Star Wars, they have to actually get something to hook me. And that alone makes me go, okay, let's go. You know, (laughs) so, yeah, that's really cool. That'll be out in in, um, next year, I believe. We don't know exactly when. So, but yeah. That's everything I got as far as news. Did you have anything else you want to add? No. Okay. I want to quickly just give my review of the Black Adam movie. We went to the theaters and saw it. Nice. I, I really liked it. I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, it's funny, but not in a bad way. Uh, Black Adam is very much like... Oh, how... <laughs> he's, he's kind of the comic relief, but he's also like a brutal murderer, so it's hard <laughs> to explain. But a lot of a lot of the comic relief comes from his inability to understand why he shouldn't kill people, basically, <laughs> and so it has to be explained to him that killing is bad. Okay, so two questions um, for the first one. Um, don't go into spoilers if you don't have to. Um, does it heavily tie into the DCEU? I would not use the word heavily. Okay, so following uh, into <laughs> there are well, this is in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem telling you this. Uh, Amanda Waller appears. Yeah. Um, and there is a cameo at the end. Okay. Okay. In, okay. in the in the credit scene. That's so. Follow up question. Uh, ever since 2007, since this movie has been up and down, could this movie have been made since then? This movie could have been made six times since. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. It's really good. It didn't need to be set in a specific time. I think it's going to be an excellent compliment to Shazam. Mm-hmm. Because he is the dark Shazam. 
and <clears throat> he's wonderful. And I think it's I think it's a very smart it, smart movie. Okay. In that, and by smart movie, I don't mean the writing or anything. I mean right. the idea behind it was yeah. very smart because it's very much like remember that um remember that run of of um Black Panther the comic. Mm-hmm. Who is that written by? The one where all the bad guys showed up and tried to break into Wakanda and he sold them off. And the Americans like, we'll help you. He's like, no, thank you. I don't need your help. It was, it was the priest. Re- and then no, it was the relaunch, the, the big relaunch. That was like huge. It was, it was like, I bet it was Reginald Hudlin. I, I'm trying to remember. Anyways, it kind of comes off like that in that, like Kondok has like a group attacking mm-hmm. and the Americans are like, we'll help. And they're like, we got black Adam. It's cool. And it's just like, no, we'll help. It's like, no, stay the fuck out of our country. <laughs> like, and it's just like, like it kind of gives that kind of impression, which I really enjoy. Um, also, it led to my favorite joke I've ever made about the DCU. It's not EU anymore, DCU, which is we had two fucking movies about Amanda Waller making a group just in case Superman goes bad. And then we get a bad Superman and she contracts the job out to the Justice Society instead of using the Suicide Squad. <laughs> if you don't realize how fucking useless the Suicide Squad is by that, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Like, <laughs> she's literally like, I don't know how we're, how this is going to be able to be handled. It's like, what are you fucking doing? Like, literally, it says <laughs> in the movie, what if Superman went bad? <laughs> it's just like, well, Harley Quinn's not going to stop him, I guess. So let's talk to Hawkman. Um, <laughs> Justice Society was great all throughout. They were just really, really cool. I think you'll like the bad guy quite a bit. Ooh, okay. um, I would put it below Aquaman as far as quality, but Aquaman is, might be the best DC movie they've made. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And Liz fucking loved it. She nice. was cackling at Black Adam's lines. <laughs> cool. Like, there's a little uh, mild spoiler, but this is more of a premise spoiler. There's a little kid that's trying to teach Black Adam how to be a superhero. But this kid, his idea of being a superhero is spouting catchphrases and stuff right. like that. So nice. it, it adds some fun moments. So yeah. Also, with The Rock in movies, sometimes I get distracted by the fact that he's The Rock. Mm-hmm. At no point was I like, oh, that's just The Rock being a guy. I really fell into the character. He did a great job, actually. That's cool. So, yeah, good stuff. Anyways, uh, now we're going to talk about our comics as always. Uh, first of all, we do not start with bangs in this sh- show. We start with booms. And we got two boom books for the week. First of all, Magic number 20. I got the Secret Planeswalker variant. And it's yeah, Ghost it was- Jace. Oh, nice. That looks really cool. Yeah, Ghost Jace. So... Which is very interesting, and we'll talk about why in a minute. Written by Jed McKay, illustrated by Iguara, Jacques Salomon, and Brino Tamora, colored by Irina Consoni, and letter by Brino Tamora, or colored by Brino Tamora, and letter by Ed Duchar, excuse me. So, this is kind of like the big war for Ravnica to try to take it back from Tezzeret and everything. And, spoiler, they succeed, but there's some really big consequences to their success, which is really interesting. Um, so, a lot of planeswalkers have their their fates decided in ways. So for instance, um, Nico Aris is uh, fighting Tybalt mm-hmm. and Tybalt is the one that um, 
that uh, Garrick has been hunting this entire time. He's been trying to find him. Well, they have a fight, and Nico does this awesome thing where he throws a bunch of his he throws a crystal at Tybalt and traps him in the crystal. Oh fuck! Cool. So he's trapped there, and he just wears them on his belt the rest of the the <laughs> issue. Um, Tezzeret is um he uh let me pull this up here sorry um tezzeret loses his powers because the the girl from the secret planeswalker one uh she gets free and basically takes away his powers so all the good planeswalkers show up and curb stomp him and because he doesn't have powers and they don't know and they're just fucking stomping on him basically Mm. And take him out. Um, they they're trying to figure out, and it's this really cool thing, and it all built up because the big stuff that um, was what was going on is uh, the three main planeswalkers that we've been following, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rall, um, uh, Kaya, and uh, what's her name? Vraska. Yeah, Vraska. So. Um, they're all removed as guild ma- guild leaders. They're no longer the guild leaders. Oh anymore. shit! Okay. And basically, if they're like, "Oh, you guys can be guild leaders again," they're like, "No, we're good, thank you." <laughs> uh, so, so Raul marries his boyfriend, uh, uh-huh. which is which is cute. Uh, Kaya just wants to go adventuring on her own. Yeah. And remember, Vraska, her whole thing was she was in love with Jace. They mm-hmm. loved each other, but he died, and now he's a ghost and everything like that. Right. Well. Tezzeret's army was just Jace clones, remember? They were just making her kill Jace clones over and over yeah. and over. And they're like, you know, after they said Tezzeret did some good for once. He's like, even if he didn't mean to, he's like, after all, we had the spirit, all we needed was a body. So they dropped Jace's ghost oh, into one of the clones. Whoa, so he's back. Fuck yeah. Oh, nice. That's, that's why this is kind of outdated. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was really cool. And um, I'm really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I, I I think it's really cool they tease the future as well mm. and i think that's gonna be really cool nico still has tybalt and oh and a uh, davril kane revealed he's the one he revealed to tezzeret i'm the one who betrayed you by the way later but anyways <laughs> so when they fought tezzeret and they they were stopping it was like this is not a noble battle this was dealing with the mad dog a mad dog who had demonstrated blah blah, blah. it's like there's only one day to deal with a mad dog like tezzeret oh shit and they turned him to stone. <gasps> yeah. Oh, good. It was so dope, dude. <laughs> like I was like, that's a really cool ending. So, um, so we still have Nahiri the Lithomancer coming up this month as mm-hmm. a one shot, and then it is going to be to to be continued, which I think is going to be really cool. We also see a shot of Aminatau, the Reality Shifter Planeswalker. Oh, okay. At the end, and we're going to kind of see like. Or fate shifter, I should say. So we're going to see what happens there. So yeah, pretty good. That's the wrap of the whole arc. So good stuff. And our other boom book is a number one, and it is "Behold, Behemoth," written by Tate Brumble, illustrated by Nick Robles, and lettered by N World Design. Um, this was crazy. Yeah, this is. I I I read it. And I sat there and I was like, this is the next it boom book. Ooh, you know okay. how, how we felt when something is killing the children hit, you know how we felt when seven secrets hit. It's like, this is the next flashy boom book that people are really going to launch onto. I think um, 
it's twisted. It's kind of mind fucky. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot going on here and I really enjoyed it. And finding out the truth of it all is going to be a real adventure. And I really like that. Also, there's a little bit jump back and forth in time, which I think they do really well to tell the story very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, really cool and gruesome, gruesomely gruesome at sometimes. But I really liked it. What did you think? Really fucking good. I mean, like, I think you're right. It's definitely going to be a book that we're going to be talking about. And we kind of already have been talking about Tate since he, he's, he's the guy who co-wrote um, the first arc to House of Slaughter. Right. Exactly. So like so he's he's definitely has had a has a taste for like the horror, but this does feel a little bit more than like a quick mini of a horror. Like there there there's some there's some distance to to just by this first issue alone. Like we're definitely gonna go up to some to some places. There's some way more to this mystery, this this connection. It was a great, great teaser teaser first issue. I I really, really fucking loved it. Yeah, definitely. And Tate also, for those wondering, Tate had a lot to do with Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a lot of Black Hammer work, so if that's your dig, I literally like it. The tease at the very end of what after the fall, this is the shit I want to see. I know <laughs> that's what hooked. Like everything was really cool, but I'm like, this is the part I need to read. And then, Tell and me then all they, this. They led us with that reveal at the end as well. Like that was just like I don't want to say too soon, but it was just right for to want to want to stay. Like I, I need to see that play out. Yeah, it's it's needless to say, trying to avoid direct spoilers. I got some serious like Last of Us vibes, obviously, is one you could mention. It's like I would want it to take its time, but I know we're going to get like a less of vibes ish. But like to get to that part two, the the act two of it, it's not going to be Last of Us part two. It's this whole fucking monster of act two. (laughs) Or even the thing that jumped out at me was Cable and Hope in the future in Marvel. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what was the big thing. Jumping. I was like, ooh, <laughs> so really good stuff. I really enjoyed it. So next up after the boom, we talk about the Aftershock. Thankfully, Aftershock, Aftershock comics back. Yeah. Astronaut down number four. I did catch up on this book. I missed issue two. And so I finally got it and was able to catch up. Written by James Patrick. Art by Rubin. Colors by Valentina Brisky and letter by Carlos Mengual. It's really cool, and it, it's about basically there's a cancer infecting the world, and it's slowly infecting the world, and there's only certain cities that are still safe, and they have these walls up that are keeping the cancer out. These volunteer astronauts, basically, they have a way of helping to cure it, but they don't have the full formula. Is I guess the best way to explain it without getting too much into it. So, they use this technology to launch their signature, their entire self through reality, through every possible reality. And that way other realities can get the cure and work with it. And like maybe other realities are doing the same thing. So this world will get it. It's this whole complicated thing, but it's really cool. Long story short, these astronauts are sacrificing their lives. Essentially the main character in this case survives wakes up on another world where the cure works and it's curing the cancer. But now in this other world, he has to deal with the fact that his world probably isn't cured and everybody's probably dying. And he had kind of a strained relationship with his wife in that world. And in this world, he's dead and his wife, the girl who, you know, is his wife in the world in this world is like, I want to be with you. I know you're not him, 
but you're close enough. And it's just like he's dealing with the fact that he might have he was prepared to sacrifice himself for the world. And now it looks like the entire world's going to get sacrificed and he's the one that's going to survive. And it's the opposite of what he thought was going to happen. No shit. And it's the biggest case of survivor's guilt you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. And there's a cool tease at the end. I think there's only one issue left. Okay. Um, but this was turned out to be pretty fucking cool, actually. Nice. I, I'm really upset I missed issue two because it stalled me on it. And then I was once I caught up, I'm like, this is fucking great. <laughs> like, so, yeah. And then my other Aftershock book is the dogs of london number five every single one of these covers have been so great with these dogs oh, those are sick those are really like, cool <laughs> so good written by peter milligan art by artesita color by valentina bianconi and letter by rob steen this is the one about the old british gangster who killed his friends because they were douchebags when they were young it turns out they have superpowers they didn't die they just mm-hmm. sat underground forever uh this is kind of the the conclusion and it part of it is him teaming up with all his old enemies to fight these guys. And fucking hell, this is a brutal, brutal ass issue. That happens at one point. Fuck. And that's self-inflicted, I should point out. <gasps> okay. The dude's fucking mind controlled to blow his brains out. And it's all in glorious, explosive detail. There's another one right here. <laughs> like, it's just brutal. But... It comes to a logical conclusion, and it comes to a, I will say, a happier conclusion than I expected. Because it was after kind those of, two panels, <laughs> well, just because it was a grim series, and he did kind of do the wrong thing in a way. Okay, so it's very interesting to see how happy it ended. But I did really enjoy it. Um, nice. I feel sad for one of the guys because it's clear he was a latent homosexual and was raised in a time when that wasn't okay. Oh. And now he's here, and he's like, "Wow, it's okay to be gay here." Mm-hmm. But then also he wants to kill everybody, so he still has to be stopped, which is kind of like really sad. And but but done really well. It wasn't done in any negative way. I thought it was just a really great idea of like how much the time and like surroundings you're raised in can impact how you feel. You know what I mean? <laughs> and how you act. And I thought that was really cool. So yeah, good stuff. And next up is Dark Horse Comics. I got one Dark Horse book. And it's Quick Stops, number one, from Kevin Smith. Uh, This is great. Written by Kevin Smith. Art by Jeremy Simpson. Letters by Andrew Thomas. It is black and white, for the record, which is great, because Universe Comics should be black and white. Um, This one is about how did Holden McNeil from Chasing Amy come up with the idea of Blunt Man and Chronic? Oh, no shit. Yeah, so... He's at a Comic-Con, and he's the guest of honor, and he's being interviewed by Alyssa from Chase and Amy, the girl. But so they're like friends now, I guess. Okay. Um, and Shit, but, okay. she, um, she is actually adapting his comic, Chasing Amy, to a show for Netflix. Oh, my God. Is, is, and so that's why they're together and stuff. And with that. I know. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. So, uh, But... Basically, they tell the story. They they also found a lot of little holes. Like they point out that um, um, if you remember the comic toast, the comic book shop that with Steve Dave from Mallrats and stuff like that, yeah. the, the douchebag guy. Um, they reveal that place went out of business because <laughs> because Brody Bruce opened Secret Stash 
to compete oh, against nice. it and put it out of business. Like they throw in a lot of little bits like that. If you're if you were like me and you obsessed of the Viusk universe for the first four movies, especially, yeah. You also find out Holden, presumably before Dante, worked at the Quick Stop, but only for a month, and. He came up with the idea for Bluntman and Chronic because Jay and Silent Bob are there. They had weed and they're like, you want to smoke this? So they go in the cooler and smoke it with them. And he has a hallucination where they're Bluntman and Chronic. And he's like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm going to do, basically. And that's how the story began. And then they kind of go through the whole history of like what happened with them and Jay and Silent Strike, Silent Bob Strike Back, where they're trying to get their motherfucking movie check, you know, and shit <laughs> like that. Like, it, it just kind of ties it all together. And I, I thought it was really fun. And if there's going to be more of these, I think that's awesome. Because there's, like, a, lots of little fun ways to tie it together. Like, the fact that Dante basically is a triplet, but not really. <laughs> like, like, how are we going right. to tie... They're all cousins, you know? Like, I think that's really cool. Like, yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm very curious to see where it's going to go and what else they're going to touch on. But I love seeing the represent- representation of Chase and Amy, which I think is a very underrepresented Kevin Smith movie. I mean, not it's at the, not the, at the time. problematic. Age is the worst of his properties. Age the worst? <laughs> yes. I wouldn't say it age the worst. I would say yeah, I mean, like, age the worst. It was like a whole goal to like to convince a lesbian that she wasn't a lesbian. It was just it was just, it's just so bad the way looking at oh, it now. They actually clarify in the comic. Uh, she's talking. She she identifies as pansexual. Okay. But yeah. still, but like, I get what you, I get what you're saying. Looking back as a as I a film, but even still, okay. So we're VSQ uh, uh, nerds, um, and he's filling in plot holes, but uh, he's filling in gaps there. But he's also adding plot holes because then Holden would have just said back in Chasing Amy that he worked there, and then that's his own movie and comic book. <laughs> when, when him and Alyssa are going back and forth on like who knows who knows knows Jersey the most, and they yeah. bring up the quick stop, he would have said it then. There was actually an homage to that moment in the book. God damn it. Uh, where they're on stage at the Comic-Con. This whole thing is started because a guy in the audience asks about it. And he's from Jersey, too, the same area. And him and Holden have that moment. And Alyssa's like, can we move on? Basically, <laughs> just like, we get it. So it's pretty funny. But yeah. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I like Kevin Smith. It's great. You know, he's, he's, he's a great... He's a great... I always thought Kevin Smith, as a director, he's, he's good. But as a writer, I think he's very, very good. Like, I always thought he wrote really good scripts. So, yeah, good stuff. Which brings me to our next publisher, cranking through the independence this week, Opus Publishing. I got mm. two, count them, two books from Opus. First one is Evanescence, Echoes from the Void, number three. Check out this cover. Nice. This is a cool fucking story. Uh, it's for Swimming Home. It's written by Carrie Lee South, art by Clarice letter by jacob Bassel, um and the art is just like that cover it's absolutely gorgeous so you can kind of see like so the story is uh she's she was a fish right this is her and she woke up on shore and she was missing her her scales her cloak of scales and it transformed her into a human woman and she's crying. She can't find the scales. And this fisherman shows up and is like, I will help you. And takes her home, gives her food, gives her a blanket. She keeps looking for the scales over time. Can't find it. Eventually, she kind of adapts to the idea she's going to be human forever. She, um, Her and the fisherman get into a relationship. And she ends up getting pregnant. 
but she still feels the call of the sea, right? So there's this awesome shot of her pregnant in the water. Yeah, dude. It's really pretty page. Yeah. And so she has the baby, and the baby's super cute. Looks like her. And she's like, I know she's part, basically, water goddess is the thing. She's like, but she doesn't have scales. She can't do it. And she's telling her daughter about the stories. She's like, I, you know, I used to be in, I used to live under the seas and all this stuff. Told her all about the water. And the daughter's like, oh, I said, I told her about my robe of scales. And she's like, oh, I've seen that. Dad keeps it hidden in the cottage. And she found out that the fisherman found her when she was unconscious, took away her scales so she'd be human form. No. To trick her into loving him. Bastard. She goes and takes the scales back. She's going to jump back in the water, but she can't bring her daughter with her because she doesn't have scales. So she gives her a single scale to remember her by and basically said, it will always call me home, essentially. What? And then she she turns back into the fish and swims away. Go get another cloak. Go get your daughter back. (laughs) I know, right? But that scumbag that basically raped you? Like, that's fucked up. Like, yeah. Uh, And then uh, Imaginary Part 2 is part two of the story from the last one, which is really good, written by Blake Northcutt. Art by C. Um and letter by Jacob Basil. Not going to talk too much about that, but I do really like the art for this one too. Like, I think it looks really sweet, actually. Yeah. So, good stuff there. And then, um, I think there was one more thing. Oh no, it's just the cover galleries. Um, so check this out, right? So here's here's the cover, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the alternate cover. <gasps> oh, that one's pretty. Right. I want that. With the Dila de los Muertes yeah. face paint and everything, like, and then look at the fish she's holding, like this one, or is it like it's like a turtle? Mm-hmm. But this one, oh, anglerfish, oh, yeah. so good, really dope, dude. This this book series has been really surprising, which makes sense because Evanescence lyrics kind of lend themselves to like dramatic, poetic storytelling. Mm-hmm. So it's really good. And next up is Bill and Ted Presents Death. Last week I said, more Bill and Ted, please. And Opus is like, <laughs> here you go, buddy. Script by Eric Burnham. Art by Federica Manfredi. With art assists by Chiara Acoli, Federica Marchetti, Chiara Pen- Penzuati, Anofrio Orlando, and Grandma Faded Cartoon. Colors by Valentina Pinto. Color assistant is Charles Solis. And letter by Jacob Basil. Um, this one is... <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna explain the plot without even pulling it because I I can remember everything. So Death plays bass in Wild Stallions. Mm-hmm. Bill and Ted are trying to learn how to play the music, and we already went over that in the other series. <laughs> well, Death is like I have no idea how to play bass. How the fuck am I supposed to do this? So this is Death's journey to learn how to play bass, and he decides to get inspired by meeting a fam- famous musician and have them teach him. He goes to Beethoven. Beethoven's in heaven. They let him in because he's deaf. But Beethoven has discovered jazz fusion and refuses to play his other music anymore. <laughs> and there's actually a scene at Beethoven's concert where everybody in the crowd is a famous musician. And if you sit and pick it apart long enough, it's great. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. And I really liked it. And then this one, I'm pretty sure this is... Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. The three that died. 
when the music died. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a really cool homage. Anyways, so he decides to go back in time. He steals a time machine, goes back in time to when Beethoven was still alive, right before he dies. He gets into a conflict with himself from the past because he's trying to kill Beethoven. <laughs> he can, they go in time. They they go forward in time to a concert. Long story short, a third death gets involved. A demon gets summoned. There's a mosh pit. Um, Beethoven saves the day, kind of. Uh, they end up having him, or he ends up giving Beethoven ten more years of life, but only to teach him how to play bass, basically. <laughs> and. It doesn't work, and so he's like, you know what? At the very end, he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll just go visit somebody else. I'll go vi- visit Wolfgang um, Amadeus Mozart in heaven. And he goes, and he's like, oh, I can help you, Death. He's like, let me show you something I'm noodling with. It's a fusion of new wave and jazz. He goes, wait, no, jazz fusion? No! And that's how <laughs> it ends. Great stuff. Really enjoyed this one. That's great. So, more Bill and Ted. If I keep saying it, maybe it'll keep happening. So, next up, the dearly departed Behemoth comics transformed into Sumerian, and now we're talking about Neverender. I love Neverender. This book is great. Uh, Devin Craft with the story, art, and design, and the editing by Jake Akis. Okay, so this is the one with the space space fights to the death, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the one kid that I always compare to One Punch Man because he prefers to just punch people to death. Um, in the last issue, he had a this love interest that we that we've seen, and they absolutely adore each other. Well, in the end, they end up getting paired against each other in a fight to the death, and he's just like, "I'll give up," and she's like, "No," and he keeps trying to forfeit, but it has to be to the death. And in the end, she basically like charges him and ends up diving on his sword as he holds it and she dies. And there's a scene, the very last page is him. Basically he was told not to say anything negative about the colonial Republic or any of this stuff. It's very political. You're not supposed to do that, you know? And he basically is like, you know what? Fuck the UDL, fuck the colonial public, fuck everyone in it up to and including the Empress. And he's like, you know, Oh, what are you going to mysteriously you know, some some serious is going to happen to me, or I'll get matched up against someone else I'm close to. And he's like, it's all fucking fake, and he's just like, you know, I basically says I'm going to kill every single one of them. <laughs> Essentially, is how it ends, and that is the end of the penultimate issue. There's one left. Ooh, so that's been a real. It's might have been my favorite Sumerian slash Bohemoth book so far. Nice. I really enjoyed this book. So, which takes me to one of our favorites, the Vault. Um, we have two vault books this week. I'm going to start by really quickly uh, acknowledging something I, I came to the conclusion of with our good friend Case is that CrossGen comics, whereas the business of it was very different because CrossGen was notoriously not good for creators. Vault is kind of like CrossGen if it's done correctly because <laughs> it's all genre fiction. There's no superheroes. And it's like some of the best talent which i'll talk about later when we talk about cross gen mm-hmm. um so i just that just struck me and i thought it was really cool and if anyone from vault is listening and please tell me if cross gen was actually an influence on you like the books because that's really cool if it is uh they were a really big influence on me so let's talk about the books end after end number three yes 
written by Andrea and Daniel. <laughs> Art by Sanando C. Colors by Kurt Michael Russell. And letters by Jim Campbell. Um, this was a really interesting issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that we see another newbie drop in and immediately be a badass. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, I really like that. That was a cool touch. Um, we get to see a bit of flashbacks. I, I thought it was a really cool issue and it's building. I like that he came up with a cool strategy. Like that's maybe that is his strength. I think that's really cool. I love the dude with the gun that was with him and he's counting the bullets down. I thought that was a cool like little touch because he's not going to find anymore. Oh, fuck him, yeah. And I, I just thought that was really cool. And I like the... the what's the word I want to use? There's something, there's a tension, I should say, uh, going on with, um, with the Katha. With, like, he got the weapon and she's like, that's not for you. And it's like, interesting, what's happening? She's really tense with him. She doesn't seem to like him very much. And I thought that was really interesting. So I, I like the issue. It was a good building issue. What do you think? I, it's fun. It's just like the, it's a different type of mystery where that, that I'm waiting for it to, to unfold um, just because it's like, it's about literally unexplored territory. Like, where do we go from here? And now that we are here is back to that question where do we go from here then um so yeah and then and then but then like that that going to like the cliffhanger a little bit it's just like well maybe it's just maybe it is better that we just we should just stop where we where where we left off because we're just we're just the same people just fucking taking trying to take over trying to conquer the shit that isn't even ours um but yeah so so i'm I'm really curious how this is all gonna play out because vault isn't just about the simple message that the simple message or plot that it, it presents itself. There's always so much more to it. Exactly. There are, there's always several layers to a vault. Yes. <laughs> very few vault books are very like thin like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, even blue flame is blowing our mind. Speaking of amazing layers, heart <laughs> eyes, number three. That was not a sexual joke, by the way. That was an accident. Um, Heart Eyes number three. I did get the A cover. Yeah. But I saw the B cover and had to get it, too. I really like the B cover, too. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, so I had to get both. Uh, so Heart Eyes number three, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Victor Ibanez, color by KJ Diaz, and letter by Simon Bolin. Um, this was a very cool next step in this story, because they could have just kept doing the same thing, and it could have gotten old, but they're advancing the story very well, I think. Um, I just keep falling more and more in love with Lupe. <laughs> like, I know, just, me too. Like, but also absolutely terrified of her. That's the way I'd put it. You can't, Keith. You can't be terrified. It'll never work. <laughs> I know. Well, terrified from a distance. Um, the bit with the, the old lady in the yeah, store, that, that was, was really interesting good. and really sad. Really good. And just like the quick shots of different locations and stuff, I thought it was really cool. Um, the thing with the mother and the kids at the end, obviously, is a good thing. It's it's all about her relationship with people, and also the monsters. Like she's the bridge, and that's kind of like terrifying, you know. And then there's this person in a bunker somewhere, and that's you know, just what's going watching. on there. Yeah, yeah. And then that last reveal of a monster is fucking ridiculous. It's so fucking big. <laughs> and 
and then the missile and everything. So I really liked it. I thought this was really enjoyable. Um, I really like her quite a bit. It does give me... Uh, I'm starting to get la- uh, the last book you'll ever read vibes from it. Mm-hmm. Not from anything like, like saying it's a ripoff or anything, but I get the same vibe. I get the same feel from it. I really enjoy it. Because I loved that book. Well, like well, I mean, like sometimes we ha- we get these books that, that that come out that that just have like these, these similar tones. And yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying with the last book you'll ever read coming from the same house. But having but this, also like, well, well this next cover. Yes. Well, even that's... going well, even going off, <laughs> yeah. off of that, um, this like solo journey that's kind of a horror tale. I'm getting like poison ivy vibes too. Just like nobody can get too close. Or th- there's these stories where it's like she builds these bonds that like that just end up going so wrong. <laughs> Uh, but this issue though was really cool how we got like this like story A and then this kind of story B like in one and it didn't feel right. it didn't feel rushed it didn't feel too too wordy it was it was actually a really really solid issue um, but yeah I, I'm I'm completely completely in love with her too I'm just like I would not be scared it's like cool I'm, I'm cool with the monsters as long as I'm cool with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well that ends our journey with Im- or with Vault this week let's talk about Image Comics and. We got a couple books, not a ton, but I'm going to start with Hell to Pay number one. Mm. Written by Charles Soule, art by Will Sliney, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter by Chris Crank. So Charles Soule, one of my favorite writers. I just adore so much of what he does. So yeah. this book has so much potential. I think you're going to love it. Mm. Um, it is referred to as The Shrouded College Book One. Okay. And... Basically, we open up with a billionaire trying to impress a very pretty woman. And he's just like, yeah, look, that's um, that's a Tasmanian tiger extinct since 1930. I cloned it, brought it back from the dead. And she's like, yeah, Elon Musk has two of those. And he's like, yeah, that's the Ramona Lisa. She's like, okay. And she's like, I'm unimpressed. Show me something new. And he reveals that, and this is where the, it's going to hook you, I think. He reveals hell is real. Mm-hmm. And he says, hell is a place connected to our world in very particular ways. Very powerful beings live there. They have a hierarchy, they have rules, and most importantly, they have money. And you basically see hell as a giant bazaar where like souls are sold back and forth and stuff like that. Huh. And so like there's one guy being like, allow me to present you the regret of a woman who married the wrong man. And it's just like, ooh, like and stuff like that. And the thing is, is they hell has its own money uh it goes by several names sin silver black gold hell coin the devil's dollar in their language they call it kurak right you can buy anything with kurak Mm -hmm. even and especially souls every coin you have you can summon a demon to do something for you right that's the thing Basically, hell got to the point where there were more damned souls there and that were so disenchanted from the punishment that they rose up in a revolution to take over hell. Holy shit. When that happened, they were quashed, but someone got out. And that person got out with 666 quarks. <laughs> and just to give an example, uh, the first ever... Um, uh, fucking um, speculator bubble, which is like, you know, they invest in something expecting, you know, money return is in the 1600s and it was tulips of all things. And it turns out it was a guy who owned a bunch of tulip farms 
basically wished for the tulips to be worth a bunch of money with one of these coins. And that completely changed how everything works in our world. Every major event was because of one of these, essentially. So he's, so he's telling this to brag and saying he has the money. She knocks him the fuck out. You find out that she's actually married and her and her husband are like this badass spy duo that works for a group called the Shrouded College. And uh, they they basically gather lost arcane and demonic items, essentially, for the college. That's their job. And their job for a long time has been collecting all these coins, right? Also, he has a magic sword. It's the Vorpal Blade. Oh, that's very, cool. Yeah. So they were in a horrible accident. They were like, he, he lost his legs. All this stuff happened. And basically, the Shroud of College used their magic to heal them, but they have to get all the coins, essentially, is what it is. A bunch of them were already spent, so they needed 317. They have 316 of them. They get, This is the last one they're getting, right? There's an awesome fight scene where he breaks in, and um, they like he <laughs> he finally gets the last coin. Well, he's checking like this deep vault. She's checking like a safe in the office. And he comes out and he's just like, I found it. And he holds it up. And she goes, Sebastian, I got one too. Oh, what? Which means there's more than one left out there. And they don't know how many that are out there. Now, here's the key. They can't stop until they find them all. And one of the agreements is they cannot have children because it can't distract them. She's pregnant and the college doesn't know yet. Ooh. And the agreement is to find them all, not 666 of them, all of them. And so they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? They're interrogating the guy when this happens to him. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, fuck, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to have to figure out how many there are and stuff. Like, that's kind of the point of this. And then we find a dude with a machine that seems to be creating the coins at the very end. Oh, no shit. So we have no idea how many are actually out there. Now, the cool thing is, Charles Soule put at the end of it, you or he says, we want to welcome you to the Shrouded College. You just read the first chapter of what we expect will be a thrilling, terrifying journey, because here's the thing. The Shrouded College didn't just offer their deal to Maya and Sebastian. They have many operatives all over the world, and we're planning on telling their stories, too. As of now, there are seven books planned in the Crowded College story, each as a miniseries, and Hell to Pay is the first. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's like this own, like, cool little universe, and these coins, like, if you look at it, like, the cover, it's kind of like, a, oh, a generic, like, image book. That looks cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you get into it, it's got this really cool lore of these hell coins and what they can do and the shrouded college is a really cool concept yeah like as a writer that's the kind of thing that makes me excited mm-hmm. like that that big concept I'm like oh you could do so much with that you know I, I love that so really cool I, I think that's an awesome idea so highly recommend next up Josue talk to me about time before time 18 yes uh, I was not ready there it is <laughs> time before time number 18 um Tell commitment. Ugh. Okay. Uh, written by Ryan McConville and with Declan Shelby. Art by Lauren Knight. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And lettering by Hassan Osmane Alau. We don't get to see Nadia and and uh, Tatsuo after that huge jump back from, what was it? Like the, the year 4000? 
all the way back to like BC, like hella BC to see if the sister, Nadia's sister was there. We found out that she was, well, we know that they don't, we don't get to come back to that or to them at all. This whole thing is about the syndicate and the union and how much everything has been intertwined and how fucked this love story was. So way back in the first arc, um, when we were getting at first, we were part of the syndicate or Tato was trying to get out of the syndicate um, and it all goes wrong. And yeah, and then they established the union, the union um, being yeah the, the rivals to, 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 to syndicate. Um, at one point, one of the characters dies and the leader of the union, you find out that they were together and this whole issue, 18 issues later, um, you find out that the, the, the one who died, not Karina. Um, where is she? Ro- Rosalind. Rosalind actually being Madeline was actually a double agent for the for the syndicate, and she was sent like ten years. She was she was sent a couple years prior to where she needed to go, so she can slowly infiltrate and then be part of of the union. <laughs> and it's just like it's playing back and forth on like. Cause it's like the first half is like the relationship builds and it's like, and you believe it. Uh, I was like, Oh, maybe she doesn't, she doesn't want to be a spy anymore. Cause then Rosalind was the one being like, Oh, we should push our relationship to be public. And meanwhile, um, oh, I just lost her name again. Um, Karina was, she just said she was, she was coming up on the, in the organization. She was kind of like, then she wanted to hide it. So it's kind of like, Oh, like she actually cares. And you find out later that she was like, when, when Karina finds, um, post um madeline's death when she finds all these tapes that she was sending back to the future and then you and then you're kind of like lining up to like the years that it was like kind of going back and forth too it's like it was like it was all fucking bullshit though was it kind of real because her mission was never to get close like in that in intimate that way but it's like so did did she give a shit she obviously didn't because like she was sending she was still sending all these secrets out it was all about it was like it was nothing but juicy fucking drama and gossip in this issue. It was so good to just like to build towards like the shit that that, that shit's been that's been brewing in the back. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a much needed issue. I, I fucking enjoyed this issue. It was really good. Um, time for time is just awesome. Nice. All right, I'm gonna switch over to Antioch number two. This is the spinoff of Frontiersman, or the continuation of Frontiersman. Uh, words by Patrick Kinlan, art by Marco Ferrari, letters by Jim Campbell. Uh, so Antioch is a another hero that was arrested for an environmental crime and was sent to the same prison as uh, Frontiersman, and they kind of team up in this and get to know each other. And that's kind of what what's going to happen here is it's about their time in prison, about them trying to survive and. There is a conspiracy to kill Antioch. He needs to die for some reason. It's kind of setting up the whole premise and introducing some characters. I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. Um, I love the way that Patrick and them create new heroes just out of out of whole cloth. And I think that's a lot of fun. They don't really go with too many cliches. Mm-hmm. Like they, They're very original, and I really like that. So, um, yeah, uh, really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm not going to give it too long of it because it is an issue two, and I think it's more setting up. And less of like the the meat, or this is the meat actually. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're gonna get into the story soon, which I really really enjoyed. So, um, but I love Frontiersman. He's a great character. He's just fucking great. So, um, all right. Next up, Golden Rage Four. Josue, take it away. Uh, Golden Rage Number Four. This is a penultimate issue. Words by Chrissy Williams. Art again by Laura Knight. Colors by Sophie Dodson. Flats by Shane Hanakui. 
and lettering slash design by Rebecca Carey. Um, this issue is, is through the perspective of the fourth um, lady in the in the little group, um, and she's kind of like the artsy one. She's like her whole play is like like the way she just like she monologues about how she internalizes art and and as stuff is brewing in the in the room, as where we last left out, like left in this issue, and was that Jay, the newcomer, the new young girl, a uh, new young lady. Um, it was all her fault. Like she was the one that sent them all there. It gets it gets set, it gets set straight. Um, she basically does. It's not her fault. She's not, it's not the one that sent them all there. She didn't push the magic button or anything. Though she does work for the organization, the organization that does this out in this super fucked up world. Again, this is still a real okay, supposedly okay world out there. They just send women when they're no longer useful to this like messed up island. Um, so they're pretty much like everybody's like trying to pin it on her that it's still her fault though it's like though she has she has she has no control over it. she they they literally don't tell her anything she's just basically another patsy she just works the cubicle in this huge fucking corporation um they bring her to the clowns and the clowns being these clowns on the cover okay and they said then it's like um and these are the clowns these two ladies as clowns and they put a show for Jay. They put a show, Jay, um, uh, with, uh, playing out, playing out this metaphor with this egg. And it's, it's, actually, it's actually very, very brutal, very touching on like them just like passing this egg back and forth. And at the end, when it cracks in Jay's hands, it's just like, it's fucking brutal. It's, it's like the way, the way, the weight of this scene plays out with very little wor- uh, words. It's just like, the, um, again, through the perspective of, um, the lady from the is, is the focus on this issue, but again, we're, we're also like in this like um, parley of like all the houses together. Like, so it's like there's 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 still no tension while there's still some like animosity between some certain characters. Um, but yeah, like it, it gets it gets to do Jay and like everybody kind of accepts her in um, that. Yeah, like she, she's kind of forgiven, but it's like because like they know she wasn't the one that really sent them there. Um, but but the she but she is kind of coming to or like or lets them in that the island is gonna get liquidated, though she doesn't know what the fuck that means if they're gonna like bomb it or just like get rid of this island. Though we can only imagine what that what, what that could mean um, if they already just don't care about women like this. Um, so they need to get the fuck out of here. And Red, the the one who was supposed to be like the main villain here, she kind of spoils her mom's secret that. This whole time, she's had this uh, lifeboat or this um, this this little itty bitty like sailboat that can probably hold at the maximum of four, five maybe people on it. And so, yeah, of course, I wonder like like the way Red says it at the at the very end. I wonder who will get to go an island full of women. So it's like, oh, I can't. There's only one issue left, so we'll see who who makes it out. Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that short of a mini. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I've seen, I've seen it at four. I saw it four out of five. So I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the next one goes. <laughs> All right. And two books that I believe we share. Little Monsters, number seven. Written by the insane man, Jeff Lemire. Art by Dustin Nguyen. Letters by Steve Wands. Oh, man. So we got we got some background for Romy, which is probably the most important part of the book. I yeah. Think. And that was really interesting and sad and 
a lot about the consequences of what happened. This is definitely the beginning of the new arc. Even mm-hmm. though it wasn't like a hard end, it wasn't like there was a huge um, time skip or anything like that. It's pretty definitively this is the next part. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was cool. Uh, the the guy's design, the the elder, the elder. elder's design <laughs> mm-hmm. was fucking great. I loved the the way this was told of how it was, how it is, how it was, how it is, and then how it has to be. Yeah. I thought that was very impactful, very awesome. I really enjoyed this. It's just so good. It's just such a good, creepy little book. <laughs> and it's so contained. It's so small. It's one little town, basically, that they're in. And it's just like, we don't see anything else outside. And, and they've done such a great job of seven issues going nowhere. You know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I really like that. I love this series. It's just so very, very good. Um, and I like that. I mean, unfortunately we do have a smaller cast, <laughs> but I think it makes it more interesting in the end. I think so too. Um, and the, the division is interesting. Yes. Especially, I mean, especially how, how it's painted on the cover. Yes. Exactly. I, I love how, yeah. I love how the, 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 yeah, the back and forth, but, um, I, I really have to think of like, yeah, we we've gone nowhere, but we're still but literally we're still here, and um, it's almost like at least for me it has to do with like I still don't know I still don't fully know these characters to fully get out of here. So once I once I wrap my head around them, then for sure, let's go. Let, let's fucking keep going with the story. Um, I don't care where we go, but it's just like this little mystery of like the way um how it opens with um with like the kid like tinkering with the radio and it's like. I like I don't know why I know this, but it's like it's just like I vaguely remember it. And it's like, wait, what the fuck is that about? And then he and and Lucas explains like, yes, yeah, the same thing with me and guitar. Like I don't know why I know guitar. I'm just like fiddling, and then pretty music basically comes out. And it's like, oh, what is this gap that they have that they don't remember? But there's like this history there. And then it's like, oh, and then like the fact, and then when he fixes the radio and they're listening to literally the wall. Um, I, I love that they didn't have, they're they're. they're didn't have to be any more reference than that but like we knew exactly what the fuck they were listening to <laughs> right exactly so really cool lots of little character moments like the tea party and stuff I really- yeah exactly it's like it's like they know that they know something but it's just like they don't know why they don't it's like uh but it's they're vampires it's like what is this, what is this little piece that we don't know yet exactly yeah and finally bloodstained teeth number six uh Written our story and creation by Christian Ward, guest art by Mac Chater, colors by Heather Moore, and letters by Hassan Atsmani and how. Um, we don't even check in with our main character in this issue, which I thought was really cool. Atticus <laughs> doesn't begin doesn't even appear. Instead, we get the motivation behind the doctor. And I really enjoyed it. I thought this was such a cool idea to give her her own issue. Um and her drive, what the what she's doing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why she's doing what she's doing. She's far less selfish than the other Sips, you know what I mean? Like, and that's going to be an interesting thing to come back to. Also, something we haven't really talked about very much, but I just love, I love how this series does this shot. Oh, just like the, the straight up grins. Yeah, yeah, with the silhouette, but with just the, the Cheshire, Cheshire Cat shot, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really like that. It's It's just done very, very well, but... Um, yeah, I, I dug it. I like getting her motivation and seeing where she's going to go from here and how this is going to tie into his hunt with the Sips. And if he needs to kill her, 
which it sounds like he's going to have to, will he be able to do it? You know, will he bring able to bring himself to it? So maybe this is his, his redemption. You know what I mean? I don't know. Hmm. We'll see, but I really liked it. what do you think? Um, yeah, no, it, it's, 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 it's what you said. Like, I, I do also like that. Um, it was like her motivation issue. That like, it wasn't just like, she's not going to be just two dimensional character from the other side and just falling out of his. I like that we took a beat from that to just like really play out her story. It's just like, it's supposed to be this huge world, this huge like expansive city. And yeah. And everybody has like the story to tell. So it's like, I like that we took a full, a, a full issue to tell, to tell hers. Um, so now it all makes sense. Like I just, now that their dialogue is just going to be that much better for like when we do, when we do have like the, those dynamic clashes, those clashing dynamics. Exactly. Yeah. I, don't know, I, I think it's really cool. And I do want to see Atticus come face to face with her and see what he thinks, you know? Also, I thought it was so twisted how it's like, you, like she gets bitten and you think like, Oh, and then she's going to turn her daughter. But it's crazy how like the scene changes and it's like, it's her on the supply next to her daughter. Right, exactly. I thought that was such a sweet little twi- uh, twisted turn. Exactly. Okay. Next up, we are going to talk about DC Comics. And we got a couple books. Not a lot, but we got some quality. I'm going to start with Monkey Prince number eight. Um, this is the end of the Aquaman portion of the story. Uh, written by Jean Luen Yang, art by Bernard Chang, colors by Marcelo Maiello, and letter by Janice Chang. Uh, so basically, yeah, Monkey Prince has to come to grips with who he is. He has to master the extendable pole and um, fights off the king of the trench, who's also demon possessed. It was really a lot of fun. Um, one of the keys to this series is that his parents are professional hit or professional goons for supervillains. And so every time they lose, they have to switch towns. So they started in Gotham. Now they're at, they're now they're in a coast city, and literally they're they're trying to pretend like there's basically they're trying to convince their son that everything's okay, and they don't think he knows, and he knows he's the one who <laughs> frees him from prison this time. Um, and they're like, "Hey, we need to talk." He's like, "Where are we moving next to?" I've always wanted to see uh, the Daily Planet building in Metropolis. And so it looks like they're going to be going to Metropolis next. Nice. <laughs> and the title of the next issue is, quote, Super Crush on Super Girl. And bro, same. So <laughs> I really like it. It's been a lot of fun. I think it's going to go to 12 because it does say limited series. And that'll bring us up right to where, you know, the next big event we saw where he's going to play a major role. So that's I think right. that's a good idea. So, yeah, good stuff. And to you for Batman 129. I had to get, so I almost didn't get an issue. Or we ran out of uh, cover A's, but I had to get this cover B. Or, I mean, there's only cover B's left. And thank God, because this actually looks like a play it out, like a real scene. Like, it's just Batman going into, like, a basement with, like, a simple flashlight. Like, no gadgets. It's right. like, And then just, like, a Riddler reveal. Like, not a Joker, but it's just, like, it's a good little painting, and it's by Gabriel Delotto, who's one of my favorite art, comic book artists. So it's like I had to fucking—I was so happy I got this one. But anyway, so this is, uh, Batman one twenty nine, continuing the failsafe uh, saga that he started, uh, that he kicked off with, and that is written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Jimenez, color by Tommy Mori, and lettering by Clayton Cowles. So yeah, failsafe has dominated Gotham, 
and it's basically no man's land again for like a second at least <laughs> at least while he's running it and it's basically batman's worst nightmare uh, for it to happen that his city is burning while he's underwater literally in atlantis and he starts figuring it out that's like eventually failsafe will figure out that i'm that i'm down here because he basically is me he explains so he explains to arthur that's like that his subconscious zarnar is is what created failsafe so it knows everything he knows um and arthur tries to make up a front or tries to put up a front at least in atlantis like at least because like how bruce says it will show up some Atlantis are like, why the fuck should we? Like, one, you're not our king, and he's just a human, so why should we give a fuck? And Arthur's like, how many times have you saved the Earth, dude? And he's like, that's just preposterous. Like, I don't know. It's like, exactly. Go ask that simple human how many times he has, and we'll be here all fucking night because he'll explain <laughs> every single one of them. Save his ass or protect his ass. Uh, Feel safe does show up underwater, and he gets to jump on Arthur too. He, again, he's programmed to do this. Um, they basically take him to where Bruce is supposed to be. Um, but Bruce uses the teleporter to go to the watchtower up on the moon. Um, basically, basically on, on a one-way drive. So, so Failsafe can't use it. It's, it's just like to prolong it. And the whole, um, can, can Batman do, do it with prep time? Maybe, maybe not. Definitely not against his own subconscious of a robot, because with even with prep time, <laughs> he did not have enough prep time to uh, for failsafe. He is on the way. He he found a he found a ship that can launch to space to get to the watchtower. Um, Batman shoots it out of the sky, but it's just a robot. He lands and just blows a hole in the in the building. Batman does what Batman never does. He gets a gun. Batman gets a gun, and I forget whose gun it is. It's 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 kind of a powerful one. It opens up a hole in uh, a hole in the back but he he can't get to it yet he's still that, that much faster and stronger um batman blows up a hole in the wall or, or he opens up an airlock so he's again just buying any any sort of seconds um to lure himself in a trap that failsafe would he basically just like outsmarts failsafe for like a second um and it's like on the the uh, in the in the teleporter in the the watchtower's like other teleporter, and he tricks failsafe. Um, he rigs the teleporter into teleporting everything except the thing in the pod. So failsafe gets transported, like, gets teleported back to somewhere on Earth. Um, and as it goes, though, the the whole thing is kind of like meant to kind of blow up because the way he kind of like tinkered with it. Um, he he does have like a mouth protector, and he has his like his dope Batman armor. Um, so he thinks he's okay because he's drifting in space. He calls up a javelin um, to pick him up because there's no Alfred. Um, oh, and th- that's the thing. That's the thing I found out too. Um, because the whole thing, the whole thing why Failsafe is out and about and owning everything is because Failsafe only comes out because it was programmed that way in case Batman ever killed anybody. On false alarms, when there was an accident or it's like, Oh, bad guys planned this for me or like, or to, to do this for me, like how it happened. It was Alfred who would put in the alarm to, to, uh, to lock him away. And yeah, we all know where Alfred is. So anyway, suddenly Bruce's plans aren't so clever. Exactly. <laughs> so he's hitting up javelin. He's calling up a javelin to pick him up. And uh, as he's drifting in space and he's realizing, fuck fail safe, hit up those javelins first and now he's stuck drifting in space with no fucking ride home um and that was a cliffhanger for this issue and we'll see next you know what i want to happen Mm. 
I want this to be the moment that Superman returns from space. So that's yet another person that meets super sp- I was Superman in the that episode. Too, but, but he did show up at in, in the Batcave, so so we'll see. I mean, it's hilarious. Me too. <laughs> it's like, hey, you need a ride, and it's like, I, I, John's on his way, and Diana. I think I'm gonna meet up with Diana before I hit the ground. Too. It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's so ludicrous. I love it. So nice, awesome. Okay, next up, I have three DC books left, and nice. I know you share one of them. Uh, and I'm just going to say, man, I'm a spoil for DC this week because these are three of the best books that DC's putting out right here. Nice. And it's so great. Start with New Champion of Shazam number three. <sighs> My girl, Mary Marvel, being fine as fuck. And good God. Um, I love this book. It's so much fun. Written by Josie Campbell, art and cover by Evan Doc Shaner, letters by Becca Carey. Um, basically. <laughs> because of how bad her last adventure went, went finding those guys, she became a meme online of like, you know, of, of like all these loser ones. Like this is look at her like being like, Oh, and it's like when you find out it's only Tuesday and stuff like that. (laughs) And it's people discussing, what are we going to call her? And someone's like, I like lady Shazam or Shazam girl. And all this, there was like, she's trying to solve this missing case, a missing person's case though. And I really like this issue. Part of it is her struggling not to involve her siblings. Um, mostly, or it's, but it's kind of like she doesn't want to risk them. But also, it's kind of her thing now. Like she's supposed to be the hero now. So there's some kind of tension there. And that's really interesting. And she finds out most of the people getting kidnapped are. Um, are homeless and so she meets with the homeless group which is really cool some really great art like i just love the way this guy draws mary like it's just really cool wow yeah like and then this dude that she's fighting uh his name is Babel, and he basically can telepathically insert into your head what people are saying about you to make you feel bad and so like but it's like got a it's got like a physical aspect to it inside your head so, like, right here, it's these rocks that say, what an utter piece of trash that are just knocking her <laughs> off her feet. Oh, shit. And because she went viral, there's all these comments online that he's just, like, using against her, you know, and it's just, like, you know, worthless, terrible, who cares, what a joke, why do we have to girl, why do we have to have a girl, she doesn't deserve to be called the hero. My favorite comment was, uh, Gritty is the only hero that Philadelphia needs, because, are you? do you know who Gritty is? No. Gritty is the greatest thing in existence. Gritty is the Philadelphia Flyers mascot for the hockey team. Oh, okay. He is fucking hideous. And that's <laughs> oh, the yes. point of him. Okay. And so he, he's a troll. And so Philadelphia being the worst fucking city is like, Gritty is our hero. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, But yeah, so this is issue three of four. It's only going to be a four-issue mini. That's the biggest crime I could think yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it on the beginning, and that sucks. Like, I saw a tweet where it's just like, I can tell you everything about this book, and it's like this one, uh, the Shazam book. I would love anybody to tell me like, anything going on in Batman Nightfall or, or Night, Night something. Yeah, the Night or the Fortress or anything. Yeah, Night, Night Fortress, some shit like that. It's been gone for like eight issues or something, but it's just like, yeah, I have no idea what that book is even about. And yeah, it's just really sad that, that this book is getting so much praise and it's just four issues. At the, the very least, can you just give it like the uh, Constellation Prize DC and give it like a season two or something? 
I have a feeling that because Shazam 2 is approaching, we already have a trailer. Mm-hmm. They made it four issues so they can return to the status quo, give Billy the powers back so they can do a comic tie-in to the movie. Mm. That's what I think is going to happen. So, But, you know. So. Yeah. Next up. Oh, boy. Dark Knights of Steel, number 8 of 12. <laughs> written by Tom Taylor, art by Yasmin Putri, colored by Arif Prianto, and letters by Wes Abbott. So the Green Man, which is Joker with a Green Lantern ring, um, is putting all the armies against each other. And it's really interesting. And the only thing that seemingly can stop the war is the fact that Diana and this version of Supergirl are in love. And... Oh they kind of bridge two of the kingdoms so they can basically work together. Now in the dungeons, you might remember the King was killed by an arrow, a magic green kryptonite arrow shot by green arrow. He's in the dungeons. Uh, He helps. He sees a beautiful woman with a mask on, like covering her mouth. He flicks a rock in her direction and knocks the mask off. She's like, thanks. Finds out it's Dinah. Yeah. And she had the mask on because she's a black canary. And she's like, I scream. And he, basically, they're going to work together to get out is the idea. Um, we get a really cool confrontation where um, the, uh, the combined forces of Amazonia and the House of Storms, which is the Black Lightning family, uh, are approaching the, the L kingdom. <laughs> and uh, they're met by Harley Quinn and, um, and Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller's the, the general for the elves and That's Harley right. Quinn's like their advisor. And they're like, hey, why don't we just be peaceful? And they're like, how about you go fuck yourselves? And basically like, all right, so they walk off and then the forest attacks them because we learned in a previous issue, Poison Ivy's in the forest and she's in love with Harley right. and basically throws the whole forest at this army. There's also a cute moment where she's like, um, she says, I'm like, I'd, I'd bury, I said I'd bury an army for you. And she says, there are two armies. She goes, you're worth it. And then they do a cute little kiss before she leaves. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget how cute she is like in the, an actual jester outfit. An like actual that. Harlequin outfit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. So, um, but then the, the Green Man, again, Joker with a Green Lantern ring shows up, destroys a good chunk of the force, and also seemingly kills Poison Ivy. And is like, keep going, because he just wants the fight to happen. So, they're outside the Elk Castle. They're calling them out. And then Supergirl and Wonder Woman show up. As I said, they seem to be the link that could stop this. They stand there with their holding hands, basically talking about how they can have peace, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the House of Storms kids controls water. So he, he floods Kara. It's Zala in this, but Kara. I'm going to call her Kara. <laughs> uh, floods her lungs with water to try to drown her. Because she's the one who killed Jefferson, their dad. Oh. But but she's acting like she has no idea what they're talking about. Uh-huh. She doesn't remember this at all. That's key. He's trying to kill her, and she's like, leave her alone, leave her alone. And it's like, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. So Kal-El's mom, the queen, comes down, lands, and it's just like, she's like, listen, you know, what if we surrender? What if we surrender, you know? She's like, then 
the elves come peacefully with us, but all the citizens can su- survive. She's having this discussion with, with uh, Hippolyta, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, the queen is like, no one has to die. And she goes, agreed. She shakes her hand and she says, where's the fun in that? No. To Diana? No, to Hippolyta. Oh, oh, fuck. That's no. Diana right yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? And then that it ends with Diana screaming mother. Oh, shit. This book is so good, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you guys what happened to read it. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This book has been fucking great. So, All right. And our final DC book of the week. I know this way is excited to talk about it. I am too. Poison Ivy number six. <sighs> Written by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, pencils uh, by this is really weird the way they drew this. Okay, artist Marcio Takara. Pencils by Brian Level and inks by Jay Leaston. Colors by Reef Prianto and letter by Hassan Atsmane Al Hau. We kind of I, I really like this because originally I think this was supposed to be a mini and was supposed to end here, right? And I think this is a good way of wrapping up the original story. Like if it had ended here great great mini and it didn't need to continue but they also gave us a reason to continue too which is really cool um when ivy left harley and everybody freaked out thinking they were breaking up the gay couple that i again i said they were in two completely different points in their lives you know harley had learned maybe i need to do the right thing maybe i need to do good things and ivy had never learned that ivy wasn't at that point yet So she needed to find that on her own. And that's what this mini was about. And that's why it was really good because it needed to serve that purpose. Yeah. And this first six issues serve that purpose wonderfully. It completely changes her worldview in a lot of ways, which I really enjoy, but it did it in a realistic way. Um, It finally gave her the upper hand on Jason because that guy's been, he's the reason she's a bad guy. Like he's been like a piece of shit her entire life. So, her finally getting the one-upsmanship on him is great. It's also fucking gruesome what happens. Yeah. I was like, uh, I, as I was reading, I was like, Josue fucking loves this. I'm, oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm so uncomfortable when Josue loves this <laughs> shit. Um, just this shot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, love that. I love that we got a full page of that one. Yes. Yeah. But I do like the connection with the little girl and how she realizes, you know, everything's connected and everything. Mm-hmm. And we do get a tease for the next arc and what she's going to be doing and that she is going to do things she would normally do. She's still going to kill people. She's going to go after the bad guys that the good guys won't, basically. Which I like that concept. We also get a tease maybe of a reunion with her and Harley. Yes. So, Which I think is a really cool idea. I, I really thoroughly liked it. Um, I like the importance that Harley had on her the entire right way through. <laughs> basically, the entire thing was a letter to Harley. Yeah. And I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I thought it was so good. And G. Willow Wilson killed it with Ivy. Like, just so good. And I cannot wait to see what comes next. What do you think? Um, l- like you said, I would have been I would have been okay if this was the contained um, initial six-issue run. But it would have been one of those bat books that I would always think about, in, in a good way. But I would always think about, like, where there could have been more. Um like our like the one the, the recent one arkham arkham city the order of the world fantastic fucking gotham book one of the best gotham books anyone will ever read 
Um, sadly, it's a mini, but I love the way it explored the city. I love the way it psychologically it explored everything about it. This is in the same way, and now, but in this case, we will get that second part. I, 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 I wanna, I wanna see, I wanna read G. Willow Wilson explore now. Um, uh, Ivy with potentially Harley like, involving her into the mix because that was a huge driving point of of Ivy's journey here, and now we actually get to see the other side of like the other side of that, and um, that makes me so fucking excited because some of these books, some of these bat books, do deserve longevity, um, but it's just certain ones like there's like these certain interesting ones that i don't know why dc just likes to cut them short um and in this case like we will be getting more out of it so i'm, I'm excited for the season two of this one yeah i'm excited too we'll see what's going on and if harley joins her that's going to be really curious to see how that affects the harley quinn book and that's you yeah yeah so we'll see all right now it's time to wrap it up with making ours marvel and i am going to start off with Something I love, and I talked about a little earlier, and I cannot wait to get into it. CrossGen. CrossGen was an independent company that launched, I want to say, either in the late 90s or early 2000s. I cannot remember directly. But um, CrossGen is a, um, a company that... There's a couple things with them. They only did genre books. So fantasy, sci-fi, historical, whatever. They did not do any superhero books. They did a, a fucking comedy wushu book, like Jackie Chan style. <laughs> like they had a samurai book. They had all kinds of stuff. It was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, that, that's why I compared them to Vault earlier, because that's kind of how Vault does it. There's some controversy about CrossGen did their business practices. They didn't treat their creatives very well. Uh, at least some of them. Um, they had some superstar creatives they lured in and when I get to the names of who wrote these books and stuff, you're going to be really kind of shocked, I think. So, <laughs> so Marvel has the rights to cross-gen now. And if Marvel wants to, they can do something with these characters. And if there's one thing I accomplished with this podcast the entire time <laughs> we do it, if it's to convince Marvel to please do something with cross-gen, then I will accept that my time on this earth has been spent well. <laughs> um, so, cross-gen, Tales... It's a one shot, but it's gigantic. It's the size of a graphic novel Mm -hmm. and it reprints issue one of four of their books. The first one is ruse, which is a Victorian detective story. Uh, Mystic, which is a story of like magical guilds and the guild leaders and two sisters, one of which was scheduled to become the guild leader and the other is kind of lazy. Mm -hmm. Sigil, which is a sci-fi epic, like fun, more, more, more Star Wars than Star Trek, because uh, it's more fun, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then Sojourn, which is, I, it's just so good. <laughs> so we'll get to it. Now, creative team, mind you, this was. Let me see if there's actually, yeah, it was 2001 and 2000 when these were published. Okay, so just to give you an idea of the years these were done, right? Yeah. Ruse, written by Mark Wade. Oh wow. Yeah. So, Pencil by Butch Juice, inked by Mike Perkins, art by Laura Martin, and letter by David Lamp- Dave Lampier. Mystic, written by Ron Mars. Pencil by Brandon Peterson, inked by John Dell, color by Andrew Crossley, and letter by Dave, Dave Lampier. Dave Lampier does all the lettering. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Sigil, Barbara Kessel, Ben Lai, Ray Lai, and Will Quintana, and Sojourn. This is the one a lot of people like. This I think this is their best-selling book. Written by Ron Mars, 
penciled by Greg Land, inked by Drew Garassi, colored by Cesar Rodriguez, lettered by Dave Lampier and Troy Pateri. Um, it's so good because there's a weird thing about Crossian. I'm going to go off on a Crossian for a little bit. So none of these are linked. None of the stories are linked, right? Mm-hmm. They're all in different worlds, but they all have things in common. And it, that's the whole point of Crossian is there's one person in each story that has a magical tattoo. And it's always the same tattoo in each story. But the powers are different. And there's also someone else who's aware of it that might be an ally, might be an enemy. Something's going on there, right? In the end, Crossian is all one universe. And there is a big crossover at the end of the Crossgen universe is what I'll say. So, <laughs> and we, I don't even think we got to finish it, which sucks because it was so cool. Oh, okay. But, but yeah, the way it builds up is really cool. And it's not always the main character with the tattoo, right? So the first one, Ruse is like a very Sherlockian Victorian uh, mystery. And it's my favorite, by the way, of all the Crossgen books. I really like it. But I mean, you know how much I like Sherlock. So, yeah. Um, so there's this Sherlockish character detective and his assistant, his Watson is a cute blonde girl. And you find out he doesn't have the tattoo. She does. And it gives her the power to pause time. Oh shit. Okay. To sit and think for a bit. I don't think she can move if I remember correctly, but it gives her a chance to think about what she's doing. What can she do? You know, like, if something's about to fall on them, she can like plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so it's like super hot at <laughs> the game. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> so, uh, but it gives it gives her a chance to think about stuff. Now she's told she's not supposed to use it by a mysterious figure, and um, it's really cool because it gives her a lot of agency in the story when she could just be the hot assistant chick, whereas she's a lot more than that. And uh, he is very obnoxiously Sherlock in that he's just like tells you things you, you know, you feel you should have known and now you see it and he's obnoxious with this shit. He's very much like that. And she's kind of like the human face of the whole thing. So I really like that one. Um, The second one is Mystic. It's about these two sisters and they're in this magical city, kind of, kind of like Ravnica now that I think about it. And the, there's these seven magical guilds and one sister. Well, one sister is like a party girl. This is her. And she just kind of like, as her sister says, skanks around. And then the other sister is this one who takes her studies very seriously mm-hmm. and one and is due to become the guild master. So at the ceremony to give her the guild, to give her the powers of the guild master, something goes wrong this dude shakes the other sister's hand and puts the tattoo on her hand. She gets the tattoo in the story. Oh, no shit. Okay, that's cool. And then the magic hits her and she becomes preternaturally gifted with magic even though she barely studied. Mm-hmm. And her sister's been studying her entire life for this. So that drives a wedge between them. Which is a really cool story that plays out. Uh, Sigil, I won't get too much into, but it is a really cool sci-fi story. And and this one, the um, the tattoo is. I'm trying to remember who has the tattoo in this one. I think it's like this uh, alien princess they have to save, if I remember correctly. I don't think I read this one originally. But then the last one, Sojourn, by the way, this might look familiar. Oh. That's very Greg Land. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sojourn 
is about this. I don't want to say I don't want to say Xena or Red Sonia, but like solo badass female fantasy character and fighting against uh, the evil uh, forces of Mordath. And it's really cool. And she's a badass. And it's Greg Land's art, which we can have a debate as to whether Greg Land's art is art. Like there's a whole thing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like it. You know, it's visually appealing. I just don't know if I should give him the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it's really cool. But the cool one about this is that the bad guy's the one with the tattoo in this one. Oh, he looks so sick. Yeah, dude. So lots of little cool like twists and stuff. But I love cross chain. I hope they at least do all the other number ones and start giving me some trades. Make them $10 trades. Make them little paperbacks. I'll buy the fuck out of that. For reprints? Yeah. Yeah. So Good stuff. I talked way too long, but that was four issues. So let's talk <laughs> about some real Marvels now. Punisher, number seven. I'm going to just straight up say it. This is the best issue so far yeah. uh, of this run. Uh, <laughs> I think so. By Jason Aaron, Jesus Size, and Paul Azaceta. Colors by Dave Stewart and letter by Corey Petit. They've done so much overhaul of his background, of his backstory, that I feel this is going to be like a defining run of Punisher. I, I, I hope so because it is very good. It's it just it's keeping it. It's keeping you hooked. Probably not even because of the whole hand thing is because of how it's exploring his past. Yeah, it's yeah, it's exploring his past. It's exploring the reality of his love, like his relationship, his marriage. Oh man, that it wasn't good. No one really touched on that much because they were always just dead off screen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's what I'm saying. I think this is going to be like one of those iconic ones. Like when you think of Daredevil. You think of the current run. You think of Wade. You think of Frank Miller. You know, you have specific runs you think of. I think this is going to be one of those runs for Punisher. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, like, yeah, you have like the like have back here the the Garth Ennis Ennis uh, run. Um, <laughs> even like the silly one that like the Franken Castle was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but damn, this one is just gonna. This one has just been saying so much that yeah, it'll it's, it'll be a defining run. It's just. It's just like we we know. I mean, if you want to talk about the issue first, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of it is based around his marriage and w- the reality of it. And when he came back from war and like how he was fucked up, and then the revelation that he one night told his wife about what happened, you know, when he was a little kid and what turned him into this twisted little shit, and how the war was actually his break from all that, and used to like, and then there's a great revelation with a priest where he finally goes to confession. And then it's just like, fuck that. They get kicked out of church basically. And I'm like, wow, what a shitty Catholic priest. Um, so like, can't take the heat dude. get out of the kitchen. But, Hmm. um, it's just, it's just a lot. And then there's a, he, uh, in the same time, there is a confrontation with daredevil where daredevil's like, don't worry, I was possessed by the beast too. Remember how bad Shadowland was, dude? I don't want to give you Shadowland, bro. <laughs> so I'll exercise you, and then Punisher's like, I'm not fucking possessed. Do you want to steal your religion on me? He's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing this because I want to, motherfucker. Like, and then Daredevil's like, let's go see your wife. Then Punisher's like, I will fuck you. <laughs> so, um, but the really interesting thing is the end, where she's starting to get more of her memory back. Mm-hmm. And she says, the kids aren't coming, are they? The kids aren't coming home. And he goes, no, they aren't. She goes, that's probably for the best. <sighs> is she possessed? Is she his actual wife? 
Man, she's just like some succubus. That would be that'd be so twisted. Yeah, because like, you know, I can't see her like. I don't know, man. And then we got that fact that Ares is like, I'm going to burn all these motherfuckers. To the ground, <laughs> My so. turn to come to you. <laughs> so there's a lot of shit going down. Really good issue, though. No, it's, it's a great issue. It's a great issue because it's, it's just like, well, we know the Punisher story. We know why, how he became the Punisher. Um, and, it, and it's just, and it's, it's sad. Like, we, we sympathize with him. Like, he came back as this war hero and he didn't get to have his white picket fence family, American lifestyle family that was literally taken away from him. But what if we actually got to tell a story that he wasn't that great of a guy? What if we got to be told that story, not from him, so we can like pick and choose whether he was a good guy or not, but we got to, we got told that story by his actual wife. And that was just such a great fucking move for this issue. Just because, like, yeah, we don't know her except for the fact that she was just dead to, to build up his origin story. So it was cool to, to yeah. give her a proper voice, not just like being part of the scene, but a whole internal monologue scene throughout the whole issue. It was a fantastic issue. Great fucking issue. Definitely. And that brings me to Captain Marvel 43. I got the extreme variant, which is nice. <laughs> um, so this one's very interesting. Uh, written by Kelly Thompson, penciled by Sergio Devia, inked by Sean Parsons, colored by Ruth Prianto, letter by Clayton Cowles. This is a crossover with the X-Men um, because it's dealing with binary um the sp- the split from her oh yeah that yeah. was that was a part of the star jammer she flew off into space and carol gets a distress call from rogue of all people it was like you need to come help me blah blah but it's all broken up she can't find her so she goes to the x-men and the x-men are like yeah she took off in space for some reason we don't know why so binary is also basically screaming in carol's dreams something's going on there so there ends up being a team up and it's a great team up because it's Carol with uh, Spider Woman, and uh, well, War Machine's there, but he doesn't go because he has something he has to stay behind. Mm-hmm. And Hazmat, so it's Carol, Hazmat, and Spider Woman, and they end up teaming up with the team of Gambit, uh, Laura, and Quanin. I think mm-hmm. there might be, oh, and Polaris is there. And they just fly off into space. They find uh, Rogue's abandoned ship and discover that Rogue has been infected by the brood. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> and she can absorb their powers without touching them. Oh, my God. Like just oh just no. getting on the ship, their powers start draining. Oh, so, just because, yeah. of, because of the brood side of it all? That's, that's scary. Yeah, that's terrifying. So very interested to see what goes on there. I'm really enjoying Captain Marvel, so. Next up, Black Panther number 11. If you can't tell, we're doing all the solo Avengers in a row. <laughs> also, asterisk uh, that I need a rant um, as soon as we're done talking about this issue. But just okay, the, good. The- Black Panther 11, written by John Ridley. I might bring up what you're going to rant about. Written by John Ridley, art by Herman Peralta, letter, uh, colors by Ceci de la Cruz, letter by Joe Sabino. Uh, okay, there's so much that happens here, and it's so good. So, uh, an org- uh, some kind of armed organization, I don't want to use the T word, because there's, there's a whole political thing behind it, takes over the major data centers on the planet, all three of them, which is where most of the internet goes through, basically. Um, they basically said, hey, live peacefully, motherfuckers, or we're going to turn off the internet, essentially. <laughs> 
and we took it personally. The US and I took that personally. Yeah. So we basically tried to fucking fight them because yeah, we failed and they shut off Wisconsin from the internet. <laughs> was just, like, Wisconsin. <laughs> just Wisconsin. Like I love that. Then the Avengers became involved and these people managed to fight off the Avengers. Of course, only one Avenger each. Captain America, Captain Marvel and Hulk or and Thor, excuse me, tried to take one each and they lost. And this entire time T'Challa's like, none of this feels right. And Captain America's like, fuck you, T'Challa. You don't know shit. (laughs) He's like such an ass in this book. And at one point, he he actually specifically calls T'Challa out for his privilege. And I was like, oh, my God. That was so good. (laughs) I was like, bro, I know he was a king, but shut the fuck up. (laughs) You're a white guy from the 40s. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and so it was just really interesting. And I thought it was it was like the way it was building and stuff. Uh, we get a little tease of Tosin. They keep talking about him like as the future and stuff. And T'Challa kind of figures out, oh, these are Wakandans that did this. And he thinks it's the new prime minister. He gets invited to one of them secretly. He shows up and he's like, you know, I knew it was you, Falisade, which is the prime minister. He goes, oh, shit. Really? You thought I was Falisade? I guess I've been more clandestine than I planned. And it's fucking Jai. I literally gasped. Like, this, Me this was too. Such a, it was such a sweet page turn. I was like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. I would have never, never, ever guessed. Yeah. And because of that, that, that asks a lot of questions. Like, Achilles. Or not Achilles. Um, the the girl. Um, uh, Omolola. Omolola. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Should someone tell her? <laughs> like, right. She was like, really hurt by that. <laughs> like it's really really interesting. I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. But yeah, I would have never guessed that fucking page turn. I was like, what the fuck? Like so really cool. But my big thing is, of course, the big takeaways are him calling someone calling a black guy out for his privilege. <laughs> Which this is the third issue in a row of this book that's been fucking hilarious for a reason. It's like, <laughs> like, I'm surprised like Fox News hasn't like spun that as <laughs> as a way to not use the N word is like calling people out, calling black people out on their privilege. <laughs> it's like God, yeah, exactly. It's so good, but yeah, that and Jai are like the two big reveals. I think. Yeah, that was fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also John Ridley's black, so maybe. Fox News doesn't want to quote. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm saying from like before. I'm saying this whole time yeah. is like yeah. it's such a good, but like, good spin on it. it was like fuckers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that's two big takeaways. What What did you think, and what was your rant? The Black Panther album is out, and oh, what the fuck, really? And, I just heard the Rihanna song, and we didn't know anything about it. And I'm looking. I was looking through it, and I'm like, oh fuck! I first of all, I got super excited because like there's some Spanish songs in here. Árboles bajo el mar, trees under the uh, under the sea. That's beautiful by Vivir Quintanilla or by Quintana and Mara Vencia. And I'm scrolling down. I was like, oh my god, there's so much Spanish because of the whole Atlanta side. I'm already shaking. And at the bottom, I see, like, oh fuck, my boy Aleman has a fucking song in the Black Panther album. <laughs> and I'm, I'm fucking shaking. And I'm going up and down to see who is in it. And my, I'm going back and forth no, between you. I've not seen it. I'm going back and forth between seeing you, like talking to you, and going back and forth. And like my eyes deceive me. No way did I see the name because I always want to see that name everywhere. <laughs> With featuring in parentheses featuring E40. 
Snow the fucking product has a song in the Black Panther album, and I didn't know that, and I'm fucking shaking right now. This is so huge. <laughs> oh, you're saying the track list is out. The song itself isn't out yet. Or that oh, no, I'm, I can click on it right now. I, I can. It's playing. I'm just muting it so for, T, for, for TOS, but no, the album is out. I can play it right now. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, music to the... Oh, it's not on Apple Music yet. Oh, really? Okay, well, spoiler. It launches... Snow the product is a song. On, oh, it'll be out in 30 minutes for me. Okay. Snow the Products is a song in the MCU. That's, and that's fucking so awesome, dude. Fucking huge. That's so awesome, dude. I'm shaking right now. I'm excited. <laughs> I've been I've been staring at that, waiting for that to come out. Well, and, maybe I will have to change up my fucking uh <laughs> Remy's picks. Dude, this list is insane. Okay, but that that was it. I just had to talk yeah. about it because it's so Black Panther related and I had to wait. <laughs> it's, it was a good time, yeah. So nice. All right. And then she-Hulk number seven. Yes. Another amazing Marvel book. Written by Rainbow Roll, art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rico Renzi, and letter by Joe Carmagna. So, uh, Jen and Jack of Hearts fucked, and that was great. <laughs> um, presumably they fucked again because she like pulled her sweater off with a comfort. Uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> so, and then we get one of my favorite scenes in this book so far, which is she-Hulk talking to awesome Andy, Victor Mancha, and Dubot. And that was hilarious. <laughs> with, with awesome Andy with this little sign the entire time. Doombot screaming, I am Doom. And also dressed like a motherfucking pimp, which is so <laughs> great. And Victor just trying to keep the peace. And I loved it. I thought it was really cool. And it, it feels... This is what the show feels like. If anyone hasn't watched the show, this is what it feels like. Because these scenes. So I loved it. It was great. And then we get her to go confront the big ox dude named Mark and the little little lady named April. And turns out they're bad guys, quote, question mark, maybe? We'll see. Hmm. Uh, it's very curious to see what's going to happen there. So, But the most important part is Jack and Jen fucked. So, um, <laughs> yes, what did you think? It's just so fun. Really it's just is. It's such a great fucking book that just like... It's not, I don't say it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's just like, it's She-Hulk. For all intents and purposes, it's She-Hulk just dealing with the MU in the most Jennifer Walters way. I love it so much. I love even like like the the a few minutes like when she has like the boys together, like in the room. <laughs> a few minutes later, after Jen has awkwardly offered the three robots coffee, because <laughs> she would. <laughs> I love it. I mean, if if I looked at if I look at Victor every fifteen minutes, he's like, "Bro, you need a drink," and it's like, oh, "Fuck, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll get it." <laughs> I love I love this whole cast. I love oh, it's just been such a great fucking book. Um, yeah, the villains in the end, we'll see how they how they play out. But yes, the important thing is that Jen and Jack fucked maybe twice. Yes, excellent. Very happy for her. I like this for her. <laughs> so, next up, another Hulk book. Hulk number 10 by Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley with inks by Cliff Rathburn, colors by Sonia Obak and Marte Gracia and letter by Cordy Petit. Ah, this is cool as fuck. Yeah. I I wasn't sure what the origin of this was going to be, but I liked what they did. So basically he found a planet with Hulks. It's just all Hulks. And, he finds out it's a result of everything that's happened in this series up to this point, which I thought was really cool. I like the little reference to the bald banner that we had and stuff. And I like this world where he's probably not the strongest. That's what we're going to find out 
because he was struggling to lift something and he called it heavy and they're like, what's that? Like, he might be the weakest Hulk on this planet, which is very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he's driven by anger and I don't know if they are. That might be the difference. Yeah, that's true. We did see some flashbacks to his childhood and I'm wondering if he's going to have to tap into that. You know what I mean? That <laughs> oh, man, let me tell you. And we also get a reveal of the fact that his head is fucking caving in, basically, it looks like, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, I, it was really cool. It's a good setup for the next arc. I think um, it's going to be interesting exploring these characters. I think he's got a new love interest, which is always good. <laughs> Bro, I fucking love Monolith so much. Yeah, she's great. Uh, but really cool. I like it a lot. What do you think? It, it's fun. I, I like that the explanation made sense within its own run. I like that it wasn't just something random. It wasn't just like it already happened or something that we have to draw from somewhere else or from someone else. Um, it, it, it was still from from something that did happen within John, like within this the the self contained run and somewhere it's in the last ten issues, um, and and that makes sense. I just like it, it's cool that one thing had there was consequences for something that fucking cataclysmically uh, huge. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if you're right about that. If he's currently maybe technically the weakest, like when they all huddle up around him, he's like the shorty. He's like looked at look like the yeah. runt of, of them all. Um, yeah, I'm curious how, how he's gonna make it out of this planet, and especially because like this dude, like the super fan, who's like, bro, you want to you want to spar, and if it doesn't go well, is like obviously like this hero is gonna like yeah. they yeah. We'll see how that plays he out. He actually calls Hulk the strongest one there is. Yes. And that's why I was like, ooh, that's setting something up. I have a feeling. <laughs> so, yeah, really enjoyed it. And, yeah, kind of, it, it was oh, t- touching into his past because it is dark as fuck. And let me tell you, like, spoiler to later, I, I finished Immortal Hulk and fuck, it is not a good, it is not a good fucking story there. <laughs> it's good as in quality. Oh, no, no, yeah, I'm saying, but it's like, I'm saying, I'm saying, like his backstory is not a good one. <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, exactly. So, nice. All right, next up, a number one, Tiger Division, number one. I got the art germ cover. It's got Luna Snow on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Uh, So, written by Emily Kim, who did the Silk Mini that I loved so much. Um, Art by Chris Lee, colors by Yen Nitro, and letters by Ariana Mayer. I really highly recommend this book. I thought it was a great, fun ride. It introduces you to some characters you really like. Um, I love Luna Snow. Uh, she's a cool character. She also appeared in that Silk Mini, so that helped. Nice. Um, and most of these characters were just created, which is the funny part. Like most of these were created, um, like by Jed McKay. Like that tells you how long it's been. It's been like less than a year. Wow. I think that I think that black black uh, cat one shot was when these were created, except for like Luna Snow and a couple others. So. We get to meet them, and there's really they're really great. White Fox is a, I was pretty sure it was an existing character, but the General Gun R two, Mister Enigma, and T- Takaguchi, I think are all new characters. Lady Bright is rebranded, um, so I believe she would she had a different name before, if I remember correctly. But um, it's a lot of fun. Luna Snow, I love. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say I love the art. I think it's really well done. Uh, Lady Bright was Auntie Aunt, Auntie, oh, Auntie Auntie was her name. I remember that now. Um, but Luna Snow's there. They're basically, oh no, a ship is out of control and it's going to crash. And um, you get like this this dude who's basically huh. kind of like the Iron Giant. Yeah, He's like a big friendly dude. He's called the General. 
And then you get this guy who's a robot. He's Gunner R, and he's the sassiest robot. He is Bender, like levels of sass robot. Like it's great. Or, so, or I mean, or I was, I was going to say uh, K2SO is probably one of my favorite sassiest robots. Yeah, it, it's really really cool. And then like just oh, I love I love the art. Like this shot, this close up shot of Luna. Oh nice. Like I just love this art. I think it's really well mm-hmm. done. But basically, yeah, they're a South Korean team. This big like cruise ship is about to crash into the shore and hurt a bunch of people, and it's great because they're like counting down. And they're like, "Oh, we only have like eight seconds," and they're like, "What the fuck are we gonna do?" And it's like, "Oh wait, a foreign object," and then it's like, "Boom!" Their version of Superman, basically, Hell yeah. a powerful dude, and he stops and he has this cute little smirk on his face. Reminds me so much of Prize Fighter from Commanders in Crisis. <laughs> oh, okay, like I just love it so. Yeah, and then we find out more about his background in the issue. I'm not going to spoil it because it's really cool. Um, and he's got a tragic background, and it's very interesting. And I'm very curious to see what people think of that. Um, and they're just trying to find this stolen artifact. And there's a great moment, as I said, with um, with Gunner, Gunner 2, where um, the the white, white fox comes out, and she's like, someone broke into the southeast storage unit last night. And he goes... Not the Southeast storage unit. What's the Southeast Southeast storage unit? Like he's just like I don't I don't I don't even know what that is. Like he's just like like he doesn't give a fuck at all the entire time they're talking. Like it's great. Like I love him so. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a fun group. It reminds me of like there was a period of time where Big Hero Six was huge I love in Big Marvel Marvel circles. So it's it's kind of launched to that, but I actually like the characters more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the cartoon movie. I'm talking about the comic. <laughs> I, I love the fucking movie. It's fucking great. So, but yeah, uh, definitely check it out. I think it's worth jumping in on, and it is a mini. So oh, okay, won't be too much of a commitment. I think it's a mini, as far as I can tell. All right, next up, Avengers Forever Ten. This fucking book is breaking me. Uh, remember how they've just been recruiting Avengers for like eight issues, <laughs> like. <laughs> Okay, Jason Aaron, Jim Toey, and Guru EFX with letters by Corey Petit. So they review their army. And so the team is, if you remember correctly, uh, Robbie Reyes, the all writer, uh, Deathlock, and Tony Stark as Ant-Man. That was the original team, right? Yeah. And they've been recruiting people. And the idea is they have to recruit pillars of the Avengers, like the pillars that really represent them. So they found Star Panther, the strongest Black Panther who ever lived. They found the angriest, punchiest Thor, the god of fists. Uh, They have the Howling Commandos. They're all Steve Rogers' army. (laughs) And they have the most badass Air Force the multiverse has ever seen in the form of the Carol Corps. Oh, nice. He's like, and so little Ant-Man Tony Stark is like, that's it. That's every last pillar accounted for. You know, all the building blocks of the Avengers. He's like, we're good. Let's go fight. And he's like, and Deathlock's like, there's one left. He goes, Oh, one last. Oh, no. He goes, yes. He goes, you can't me. He goes, the one. And he goes, no, no, anybody but him. The last pillar of the Avengers is Tony Stark. And <laughs> yeah. so Ant-Man Tony Stark has to recruit the best Tony Stark. And they meet a drunken Tony Stark in an Ant-Man costume. And they're trying to chase him down. And he ends up crashing and killing himself <gasps> because he's drunk. And then basically every Tony Stark they meet is just a gigantic piece of shit. Wow. They're all awful, right? Including one that ended up getting killed by the townspeople, <laughs> like, like which is just fucking great. There's, <laughs> there's there's this one who put himself 
in a robot too big to live on any planet. Oh, shit. It's mined in there. And you will fucking love this. He goes up to gas giants and fucking sucks them down. Because even as a robot, he is a fucking alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, why the fuck would I help you? (laughs) Like, he's just an asshole. And eventually, Tony, they meet an old man, Tony Stark, who's dying in his his, uh, deathbed. And he gives uh, Ant-Man Tony Stark a speech about, you know, this entire time Ant-Man Tony Stark is drinking. And he eventually, when the old man dies, he buries him and he dumps his alcohol out. Throws all of his liquor into uh, Ghost Rider's trunk, which is a portal to hell. So, and he basically gives up drinking. And then he goes around to all these pieces of shit Tony Starks and adds them to a support group to help them all recover from being shitty people, basically. Uh-huh. And he was the ultimate Tony Stark all along. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they have this big group of Ant-Man, or of Iron Man being like, hey, Tony, hey, Tony, hey, Tony. So, <laughs> That's the last recruiting. The war is going to start. I'm very excited. I've been waiting for it. So good (laughs) stuff. Next up, Damage Control 3. Won't spend too much time on this one. Um, Again, this is the guy trying to find a role in Damage Control. It's pretty funny. Written by Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodinoff. uh, Art by Nathan Stockman. Colors by Ruth Redman and Letterbrick Clayton Cowles. This time he tries to be one of the field agents that goes out there and helps repair afterwards. He gets tied to one of the insurance adjusters. And uh, just let me tell you, after eight hours of talking about insurance at work, I was just love reading this comic. No, I'm <laughs> it was funny, but um, it did have like an inhuman twist to it. it. And this was classic damage control is what I'll say. That's what I really liked about it. And basically there's like a Terrigen crystal and they're like, don't touch this. And then, he touches it and turns it into a giant gerbil. Oh. So, <laughs> so, like, he just can't help himself. Something's going on, though, that is making him... They, they have to employ him for some reason. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. There's something going on there. Like, they have to find a role for him. So, something secret's going on, which I think is really interesting. So, yep, good stuff. Okay, and Savage Avengers, number seven. This one's cool as fuck. Okay. <laughs> Written by David Papos, art by Carlos Magno, color by Esmond Grutinger, and letter by Travis Lanham. Essentially, uh, they were sent to the year 2099 where they ran into Punisher 2099, and now they have to fight Ultron and a whole bunch of Deathlocks. That's basically what's going on. Mm-hmm. What happened was, when they fought Deathlock in our time and they cut his arm off in the first issue, yeah, someone found that and reverse-produced Deathlock technology which changed our history. So now the year 2099 is not the year 2099 that we're used to. It's now one where 75% of humanity has been turned to deathlocks. Oh, shit. And they're led by Ultron. (laughs) Okay. And they have to break into a prison to get somebody out who can send them back in time, and it doesn't tell you who. Well, the prison has a telepathic warden, quote, before his reconfiguration, he was known as Modoc. Oh, God. Now he's known as Death Doc. And, which is a great fucking name. It's terrible. But it stands for Digitally Enhanced Autonomous Telepathic Host Designed Only for Killing. And he looks like this. So, oh, geez, um, okay. so he's basically a death-locked Modoc. Um, long story short, they break out the prisoner they want to break out. And who would it be? Who else? 
could possibly do time travel in 2099, Doom 2099. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like basically like they're like you want to be an avenger he's like if you will get me the fuck out of here i'll do whatever you want basically so yep we'll see where it's gonna go from there a lot more tension between cloak dagger and anti-venom that's been one of the big things that's been in like the past like six issues because dagger and anti-venom seem to have a thing okay and cloak is really grumpy about that so <laughs> yeah next up guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind uh this is based on the uh theme park ride Oh, okay. Um, written by Kevin Shinnick, pencil by Gerardo Sandoval, inked by Victor Nava, color by Israel Silva, and letter by Clayton Cowles. It's pseudo in the MCU, but it's also not. like it, it, They kind of play fast and loose with it. But basically, the world mind, the hollow world mind, is like, we're trying to figure out what Terrans are like, you know? So they're trying to interview Quill about being a Terran, but he keeps being too busy, so they end up interviewing the other four Guardians about him. Uh, and it's... Um, Basically, they all have compliments, and so the world mind thinks that Terrans are good people, basically, is the idea. And then they go to actually interview Quill, and then they run out of time because the threat's coming. He's like, sorry, I gotta go. So basically, it, it just kind of sets it up. It's only one shot. It's a lot of fun. I really liked it. I thought it was cool. So I needed more Guardians of the Galaxy. They canceled that series way too long ago. So Next up, now we're getting into the meat and the potatoes. I'm very excited about this one. Let me get it pulled up here. Secret Invasion number one. I got this variant. This was a hard decision. That was the one I, I that was the one I had to get to. Just because yeah. just because Gabriel Gelotto did the original yeah. covers to yeah. original runs. So it's like it's, it's just the nostalgia in me. Yeah. Um written by Ryan North, art by Francesco Mobley, colored by Jordi Belair, letter by Joe Caramagna. I know there was like confusion as to whether this was going to be in 616 or in the MCU. Um, because we're getting the Secret Invasion show soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wasn't sure. And honestly, I wasn't really sure until they name-dropped the X-Men near the end. So this is in <laughs> 616, uh, apparently. Unless they want to do an alternate reality thing, I'm okay with that. Um, but it's kind of a new version of the Secret Invasion, and I really liked how it started. I like the whole multiple Nick Furies, like so many scrolls dressed as Nick Fury doing the thing. I like yeah. Maria Hill not being bad at her job, mm-hmm. which is good. <laughs> um I liked the whole family story with the scrolls. I thought that was really cool and creepy, and I thought it was great. Um, I liked the whole, like, I believed the whole, oh, that wasn't my husband. He started acting differently before he died, so he must be a scroll. And it's like, oh, that's the kind of shit people would tell themselves. You know, I, I liked that a lot. Um, and I liked the reveal at the end, which uh, we'll go ahead and spoil. Basically, they tell the Avengers, hey, there's this another scroll invasion. And they're like, okay, cool. Let's go talk about it in the conference room. And one of the Avengers, we don't know who, goes into the unisex bathroom at the Avengers Tower. Good for good for the Avengers being forward thinking like that. And but it's trans- like hard for us to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah, and then um, they transform in the mirror back into a scroll. We don't know who it is. You can't. I was trying to. I was trying. I was trying anything I possibly could. And yeah. I'm just. I just. I mean, they, they could have just blacked that part out, but it's just. It can't be T'Challa. I'm going to say it's Black Widow. She's the only one in that picture who's not actually an Avenger right now. Like, in the in the actual Avengers team, she's not there right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, like, when she's, in, she's in the page, though. Or what do you mean? But I'm saying, like, in the current canon. Oh, okay. They're all Avengers right now except her, which I thought was very strange. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
We'll see. Um, I mean, it would kind of be in keeping with the way the scrolls work. She is the sneaky one with all the information, so it makes sense. But yeah, I, I think that was a cool, good start. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. What did you think as a huge fan of Secret Invasion? I know you are. I mean, it wasn't going to be the, the same thing. I mean, the, the, you can't really follow, follow that up. I mean, in in the same capacity, it's, it's not, it wasn't going to be a sequel. It's just like, how do we why bring it up again? Um, it was very interesting. Like, to just, like, in, in this whole new intro, the, the, whole, the last one had this whole, like, pre-arc the things set up on who do you trust and this, this actually did a did a really good job to kind of rush that or like to really bring that question into play and like who really is a scroll or not um but the whole botch the nick fury mission w- was really funny it was cool how it played out like maria hill does she used to get a lot of shit because of like how she was written how, like her attitude but in a post non non white Nick Fury world where she's like the, the top cop. I like how she's like, she owned that situation. Like she was like on top of it. It was, it was actually really fucking cool. I'm very curious to see how this ties into the Kree scroll, you know, union. They're yes. working together now. Mm-hmm. Is this like a, a offset offshoot of the scrolls maybe, mm-hmm. but I think they even said your emperor at one point, which would be Hulkling. Right. So interesting. So, all right. And now for a very short visit to Krakoa, Deadpool number one. Did you get it? Oh, no. Okay. I did. I got this one. It's funny. I think you'll like it. Um, there's a thing, and I don't think it's a coincidence, that Deadpool's best when written by a woman. Nice. Um, the best run of Deadpool ever was Gal's Moan. So, mm-hmm. um, but written by Alyssa Wong, art by Martin Kokolo, color by Naraj Manon, and letter by Joe Sabino. Basically, the story is he's still in X Force, he's still a citizen Krakoa, but he's like, I'm also an assassin, and I still want to be an assassin for hire. And essentially, you you watched uh, Doctor Horrible's sing along blog, right? Oh yeah. You know how he's trying to get in the Evil League of Evil? Yeah. There's basically that, but for assassins. <laughs> and he's trying to get it. so they give him 48 hours to kill Dr. Octopus. And if he does, he can join, right? Nice. But he gets abducted by the harrower who you probably don't remember, but do you remember you remember horticulture, right? The yes. old ladies? It's that young lady that was with them in that oh, that man okay. thing crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She abducts Deadpool and she reveals that she has or she found a symbiote a tiny little bit of a symbiote during the war with null uh that was left over so she kept it alive and she's trying to grow it and everybody she attaches it to ends up dying so deadpool can't die so he'd be perfect and you find out that basically she's trying to make a new carnage oh shit no (laughs) yes um so there's this great moment where um, oh they introduce the assassin group and they're all ridiculous. It's great. Um, I'm not even going to go through them all. But their assistant, their executive assistant, they're like, you know, hey, you know, we're gonna get, we're gonna give this to you. They hand it to her to give to him or something or to them, and they are very attractive. Oh, and are only referred to with uh, neutral pronouns, so that's how I will refer to them. Oh yeah. Um. And Deadpool's like, 
holy fuck, you're pretty. <laughs> like, basically. And uh, their name is Valentine Vuong. And uh, they uh, they basically give them the mission. Also, they have needles for fingers, Oof. which is really cool. Um, the first info page is basically... Uh, well, the first thing he says is nice needles to them. Huh. And so the first info page is better pick up lines than nice needles. <laughs> it's just like, and it's just a list. It's really great. Then it's him doing the conspiracy or he, him planning out his assault against Doc, Doc Ock. And it's literally that scene from It's Always Sunny. Huh. He even, he's even doing the same pose. Yeah. And there's also a picture of Valentine <laughs> with the little hearts, which I thought was great. So, because I'm already, I'm already down with that. Um, that's when he's at, that was a flashback. That's when he's attacked by Harrower and stuff. He wakes up in Harrow's at lab and he's like, what time is it? And she's like, 10? And he's like, I only have two hours left. Because if he doesn't do it, he's forever forbidden from joining the Assassin's Guild, <laughs> basically. He goes in to kill Doc Ock and as he's about to do it, this happens. <gasps> and we start to see the birth of the new Carnage. What the fuck? Yeah. So, really cool. I think it's really dope. So, I... I thoroughly enjoy it written very well it's very funny and Alyssa's just amazing so good stuff that brings us to our final book and a book i think me and Josue have waited for for a little while now yeah x-men red number eight now i'm not saying we waited for a new issue of x-men red for a while because we had one recently but right. we've waited for this issue of x-men red <laughs> for a while written by al ewing art by madabek musibekov yeah uh colors by federico Blee and letter by ariana mayer well, Abigail Brand died during Judgment Day and had to be resurrected. And that was the moment that Cable Whiz Kid needed to figure out what the fuck her plan was. And they're pissed. Especially Cable is pissed. So Cable starts rousing the troops, including Cora uh, of the Burning Heart and Weaponless Zen. Love me some Weaponless Zen. Um, also, we get like a guest starring appearance by Blackjack O'Hare and the Prince of Power, which is great. That's <laughs> funny. Basically, Cable's like, fuck this. We're going to fuck this shit up. There's a diplomatic meeting called and um, a lot of people are going to be there, but specifically, we need to worry about Zandra from the Shi'ar being there. Um, we also find out one of the other ten shames that the Shi'ars have hidden and it looks like Xandra is going to actually reveal them all and provide reparations essentially for what happened, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And Brand is very excited because this is what she wants to happen. Uh, so Cable's team, which are all the aforementioned people plus Manifold and Thunderbird, uh, which, by the way, Manifold still fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, they're there. They are teleporting in, trying to find this stolen bit of Cable's uh, techno-organic virus, long story short. They find out that Vulcan was reprogrammed and sent in as basically a mole on Abigail Brand's behalf, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because remember, he was seeing Petra and Sway before they were even brought back to life. No one else was seeing them. Right. There's something going on there, which I think is really interesting. And meanwhile, while they're doing that... Vulcan shows up at the diplomatic meeting, essentially on Abigail Brand's behalf, ready to fucking wreck everything. And we get the shot of Abigail Brand and the revelation that Mentalo is on her side. Um, 
Then there's the info page. Did you get a chance to sit and read this? I had to. Yeah, it lays down it's everything. everything. And it exactly what she attempted to accomplish. And you got to give her credit. She had a good plan. She laid it out uh, really well. But that bitch is going to die. <laughs> like, <it's>, again. <laughs> yeah, again. But I really liked it. What do you think? It's. I mean, first I have, I have to shout it out because I don't think we actually, I think we've mentioned it or like the fact that he's around. But the man called Nova, the fact that he's accepted, oh my God, yeah. the fact that he's accepted in the broken land, like the fact that he's accepted on Erico is really fucking cool. Yeah, we didn't talk about it much during Judgment Day, but he basically didn't he save like a whole area by yeah. himself. Like, like he was a fucking badass, dude. Like, yeah, he's Nova's super great. cool. Like, the, he, he's been around like in the like in, in those meetings, and I've been curious on like what's his play there, just like to include him. But no, like he's welcome there. He, like, I, I, thought, I thought that was a really cool detail. Um, but yeah, everything is just coming together here, just like finally dealing with with Brand because. Uh, like is she a good guy is she a bad guy <laughs> like what is her play like is, is she gonna use an excuse i'm gonna i'm just gonna forever like for the next like, couple of years i'm just gonna see her using as an excuse that she was a triple agent for orcus and but she was a good guy this whole time as total <laughs> bullshit like yeah exactly she's full of shit <laughs> like she's a bad guy <laughs> that's yeah. what it is so her beasts deserve each other. So. And, and I'm, I'm curious on Vulcan because like you and I were very excited for Vulcan's maybe uh, uh, rework or just like him coming back into, into like the yeah. summer's fold literally just for that since since the start of Hawksbox. But now he's been like a mole this whole time. So I was like, ah, I'm, I'm worried about the guy. But they use the term pr- reprogram. True. True. So he's, it's not like he's doing it willingly. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Maybe he can be deprogrammed. True. That'll be interesting to see. So, yeah, dude, I, I really enjoyed this. I can't wait to see where this is going. So X-Men Red just knocks out of the park every time. It's just so, so fucking good. Yeah. But that's it. Uh, what else have you been reading, dude? Well, from one Al Ewing book to, one, uh, to another Al Ewing book that he already wrapped up, I blew through 50-plus issues of Immortal Hulk. Holy fuck, dude. That is a book that I will definitely reread, and that's one that for sure as a book club is definitely worth uh, the reading because it's just it's so it, it's 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 Al Ewing. It's like it's it's per it's perfectly dense. It's perfectly just it can be very wordy, but by like the whole like by the what the fuckery of it all, <laughs> you just you just have to know what happens next. Like so many things unfold. Oh my god! Like the, but then like the body horror of it all. Like it's just, it was really, really fucking good. Um, there's this one issue um, where uh, issue twenty five, like in the in the very middle, um, he does this like super flash forward where it's just the Hulk basically becomes the next Galactus, and he is just punching through worlds. Like, he's not even eating them; he's just like wrecking every light that he sees. It is amazing. It is so fucking scary, but. Um, apart from all that, like really what this book was all about was just, just, I mean, how, like how Bruce deals with just the fucked up trauma and the child abuse that, that he went through and then coping through the Hulk psyche. And it's just, it was fucked up. It was, it was, I'm, I'm actually kind of proud that <laughs> kind of proud that Marvel put, uh, that let him tell this story for so long. Um, this could have been like a really condensed mini to tell maybe the same story, but to expand it in 50 issues to really give it history or to let the history sink into it. 
it was perfect. It was really, really good. It was a really good book for how long it was. The longevity of 50 plus, because there was all those one shots um, that they really are more like uh, Apocrypha. Like they're not important to like the whole story, but you can like squeeze them in here and there. Um, and he took on some of those. They were fantastic. A great, great run. Nice. Uh, you read some of the side stories you said. Did you read Gamma Flight? Um, that's the one I'm gonna get to because I thought it was a one shot, but it was a it was a mini. But but I need I need to find out what happens to every single one of those characters because Gamma Flight was one of the fucking uh, underdogs, and I hate saying that it's word because really, really good because Titania and Creel, the Absorbing Man, were stars in this book. They were really good. I mean, Puck goes without saying, but to bring in the Absorbing Man not just for a plot device, but and Titania to just bring them as actual characters, they were really really cool. And then getting like Doc Samson or like getting Sasquatch into into the into the fold, and then <laughs> getting that explained was really cool. But that's all part still part of Gamma Flight. So there's still a little part of the story that I need to I need to close it all off because then they deal with um, the Abomination. Um, and I think Sakar too. So I need I need to yeah. find that out too. I reviewed it for the show. Yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I didn't want to pay attention because I didn't want yeah. too many spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is one like I, I will cap it off with that one. Yeah, it's really good. You'll like it. I think so. <laughs> nice. Uh, I haven't read much this week. I did finish the Sandman Volume 3 audiobook. I can't remember if I talked about it on you the show. You mentioned I think you were wrapping it up. I think I texted you uh-huh. about ending it because it does end with the the tales in the end, in the end, but it doesn't feature the end of the Sandman. Okay. So I think that will be the last volume. Nice. Um, I've also been listening. I went back and started the Expanse audiobooks again just as something to listen to. Um, and I have been reading quite a bit of the uh the marvel the real story marvel book which i'm really enjoying mm. um and just how it used to work and the way they projected success when they weren't really succeeding so that huh. the public would believe it is really interesting so i really like that uh but the main thing i want to talk about is i got something that i kickstarted myself uh, not for the podcast but picaresque roman which is a tabletop game about thieves gentlemen thieves nice and it's done in an art style it's very similar to persona if you're familiar with persona's art style so yeah here's the box cover <laughs> and this is a full-on box it's not just a book so i got some uh custom d6s that are done like a persona art style like numbers uh-huh. uh, there's some cards there's some notepads there's a play mat then there's a book with full instructions and a full adventure in here. Um, it was really cool. I, I kickstarted this a while ago. The tabletop stuff always takes way longer than comic books because they're oh, they have to make a bunch of stuff. So, but I'm really excited. I think it was really cool. I've been reading through the adventure, and it's not it's not D20 system. It doesn't work like D20 at all. So, I'm very curious to see about playing this. Similarly. I recently purchased, this isn't really a book, but I'm going to talk about it. I recently purchased Quest, which is a board game. If you've ever played Werewolf or Mafia or any of those kind of games where it's social deduction, you sit around, you have to figure out who the bad guy is. It's similar to that. Um, And we played a couple games at a Halloween party last week. And I lost both games, but due to complete dumb luck. Everybody admitted that I played really, really well. It's just they they didn't know what they were doing and they just ha- I, like my teammates failed me is what i'm saying <laughs> so the first time i was a good guy and they thought i was the bad guy i'm like i'm not and it, it, like one of the rules is you can't tell what role you actually are and if i did i would have cost us the game so i was like i'm not a bad guy mm-hmm. my role was basically there's a way to check your role if you're good or bad just not what your specific role is whether you're good or bad but my role was i had to lie 
So I told I had to show somebody a card saying I was evil, even though I wasn't. And then they all believed that person. I'm like, I'm not. Though. So we lost for that reason. Um, and, do, do you know, do you know and, the game uh, Resi- The Resistance? I don't know that one specifically. Same, 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 same type of game, um, but just like with more people. Like more people can yeah. be like the bad guys. Um, the first this time plays up to ten people. Same thing. It goes. It can go up to ten people. Um, yeah. It's just like at least up, at least up to five. Um, the first night we ever played this game, like back in Arizona, the whole the whole night. The whole night, I only kept getting good guy. So you can imagine the odds being against me and the whole night people just not believing me and just me getting more inebriated and just like acting out, acting it out by desperately being on purpose that like nobody would believe me. And it was just like, I couldn't believe that every every single game I kept being the good guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Liz was evil in the first game. (laughs) Of course. So, And then our second game... I was evil and I played it perfectly. No one suspected I was evil. Mm. And then I actually convinced some other people were evil and they totally believed me. And then there's a thing the evil person can do at the end. Not me, but one of the evil people. They can put the whole game on the line with a guess. And he did it and we lost because he got the guess wrong. And I was no, because I was going <laughs> to win. But yeah, it was, um, it was fun. It was really a lot of fun. I want to play again. Nice. Because you can play with as few as four people, but I'm, we play with seven and it was just about perfect. I think mm-hmm. so. But yeah, uh, that's it. That's all I've been reading slash playing, of course, in that case. Um, so yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, first of all, before I jump into the wrap-up, just want to let you guys know we are doing our end-of-the-year awards again this year, the Remy's. Oof, they're coming. Expect an episode on December 1st for both We Have Issues and Jukebox Vertigo with our nominations. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'm very excited about it. It's just going to be me and Josue this year doing nominations, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. as far as at least we have issues goes. We'll talk about Jukebox later on, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so make sure to check that out. Be ready to vote because we nominate, but you vote. Yes. Um, so very excited about that. It's my favorite part of the year. I love it. It's so much <laughs> fun. So, And those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. You can find the show at WHI Podcast. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. You can find Liz, our producer, at WHI Podcast Liz. And you can find Josue at Josue Reads Josue. All those on Twitter. You can also find our other show, the aforementioned uh, Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That is our musical playlist building podcast where every episode we have a randomized category and we build a playlist with some of our good friends and special guests. Uh, The most recent episode up is Beach Party. Uh, Make sure to check that out. There's a lot of great songs listed there. Also, every every time an episode of Jukebox Vertigo comes out, We should have a um, listening party later that evening or later in the week, depending on scheduling, where Josue goes on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue, and he does a listen party of the songs, plays a little bit of video games. Maybe he's going to play some Deadpool. Maybe he's going to play some Mario Kart, probably Mario Kart, and listen to the songs and give his opinions on them. So make sure to check that out because it's always a fun time, and I'm usually there as well. So we can chit-chat about the music that was picked um, that is all of our plugs. Oh, for Jukebox Vertigo, make sure to check out Certain POV. That is the network for Jukebox Vertigo. Check out their Discord. Uh, it's great. We have a lot of great discussions on there. If you want to hear me and Case nerd out about comic books, if you want to chat about what came out music-wise or anything else, it's a great place to be. And those are the issues that we had this week. Uh, do not forget to bagboard and box your new treasures, and we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.